sorry, Alex. We need to make a an official Girls Who Cried Be Horror remix of the Freddie Rhyme, right? Okay, so let's see. Um, you know, one, two, Alex is coming for you, right? Yeah. Three, four, Oliver Jackson's <laughs> whore. Yep. True, true. Okay. Um, five, six, um, send us any hot Jared Padalecki pics. Seven, eight, I'm improv i am great you are yep improv mm-hmm. queen improv queen yes i'm incredible <laughs> nine ten we're never doing this again we're oh never thank doing fucking again. god <laughs> the girls who cried be horror so hi i'm sorry and welcome to the girls who cried be horror <laughs> Sorry that made you guys suffer through that, um, but I'm Anya. And I'm full of anxiety. That was a lot. Thank you for being a good sport and doing it. Um, You're welcome. It was a hot mess. Um, but hi, hi creeps. Um, so if you have listened to this month's episode, which was Behind the Mask of Rise of Leslie Vernon, um, it is a mockumentary in which, you know, somebody, this dude is trying to emulate the great slashers because in his world they actually exist. That includes Michael, Jason, and Freddy. And also in that film is Robert Englund, who iconically plays Freddy Krueger in every Nightmare movie except the 2010 remake. Um, so we got to thinking and we were like, what if we did a tangential terror in which we tackle the Nightmare series, similar to our Child's Play episode? And of course, because we love the sound of our own motherfucking voices, there was no questions, we were doing it. Um, and by we, I mean I love the sound of my voice, and Alex Correct. is a good sport. Yeah, I like your voice too, but that's about it. Oh, thank you. Um, I know that it's incredibly grating. Um, anywho, so... Um, that's that's what you've strapped in for uh, on this little mini-sode we've got, this tangential terror. Before we dive in to going through the movies, you know, giving our rank and giving our thoughts, uh, why don't we just both go through and, you know, say our background with the Nightmare series, you know, experiences with it, gr- watching it growing up, or and or, you know, f- overall feelings about the franchise. Well, let's see. So, I mean, as I've said on this show before i grew up on horror i started watching horror very young probably a lot younger than was smart for my parents to let me do but nightmare on elm street was always one that i was afraid to watch but i didn't tell anybody i was afraid to watch it i was like oh i love horror i watched like all the halloweens i watched the screen movies but every time someone recommended nightmare on elm street to me I would be like, oh, yeah, yay, okay, one day, because I was so afraid of Freddy Krueger, just, like, the image of him, like, terrified me, and I also, like, at night, I would always be afraid, I would always go in my parents' room, be like, can I sleep with you, because I'd be scared from all the horror I watched during the day, and the thought of a man coming specifically into my dreams, that was too much for me, so it took me a while to watch them, I think my mom bought me this really cool box set of all of the films, um, obviously not Fred, uh, Freddy vs. Jason, but up until New Nightmare, that I still have. It's, like, really cool that when you look at it, um, all of the DVDs across have, like, his arm with the claw. It's a cool Ooh. box set. And I think I probably watched them probably, like, early teens is when I really started getting into them. Um, obviously, I'm a huge fan, considering the fact that my cats are named Kruger. 
and Craven. Mm-hmm. So yes, if you know anything about me, uh, you should know my cats. So clearly, I'm a fan. So beyond the Scream franchise, I I honestly think that the Nightmare series is probably my favorite huge horror series. Um, Interesting. Yeah, because when I think about it, I mean, I won't get into it because I'll take too long if I'm going to start, you know, delving into these other fucking franchises. But, I mean, I don't remember exactly when I first saw Nightmare. I was definitely younger, you know, Mm -hmm. at at least, you know, probably in middle school, probably, I was when I saw it. Um, And I don't know that I ever remember. It's really interesting to hear that, like, you were so scared of Freddy. Um, So scared. I hated it. But I think you were honestly probably exposed to it earlier than I was exposed to it um where I got to an age where like not that I wasn't scared of shit not at all but like it was gonna take more for me to like actively be like I can't watch that I can't watch that Mm -hmm. but I mean I've seen Nightmare the original I can't even tell you how many times like at least 20 times I swear to god I I love it um and even though outwardly like I was never like lol having nightmares about it or anything like that i always just thought the idea of it was so incredible um and i'll I'll hold off on that because i'll wait till we start talking about the first movie but yeah and then it wasn't probably until like a few years later or sometime later that i probably went through and started watching like the whole series and i think it was probably like mix match it wasn't like in order it was like oh i'm you know i saw this one so i'll just sit and watch it or whatever and I probably, in college, I would say, is when I went through and I was like, okay, from beginning to end, I'm going to sit through and I'm going to watch in order the whole series. And then I obviously just did that again um, to prepare for this episode. And once again, doing it again, like, you know, I, there are there bad movies in the series? For sure. Like, mm-hmm. some of them are, are get close to being unwatchable. Um but the ones that are good are fucking good. Like, that's the the counterbalance, I feel like, is, like, if you get a good Nightmare movie, it's going to deliver. It's going to give you, like, visuals, everything. If you get a bad Nightmare movie, though, like, have your phone with you. Like, you're going to need something. Like, it's, it's going to be painful. Um, but, yeah, I feel like my biggest thing to say is that I think, yeah, Nightmare, and I think... I've kind of confirmed that to a degree rewatching them is passively my favorite of the big heavy hitter horror franchises. I um I have a fun fact that I would love to share that I was not anticipating sharing um, because it's something that I was really embarrassed about for a while and Greg is okay. the only person that knows this and he thinks it's so funny and he always threatens to tell people it. Oh my god the way that you're gonna take oh my god you're taking his power away like Nancy takes away Freddy Krueger's power. Tell I'm like, us. you know what? It's about time that I open up about this because I was young and I think that it's fair given the oh context God, of the so title. I'm so excited. When I was younger, before I had seen yeah. all of the films, I was under the impression that one of the installments was Freddy Got Fingered. Do you know that? <laughs> Okay, that's not as bad as I thought this was going to be. Because I literally was like, okay, what number is Freddy Got Fingered? And then I, like, told Greg that, and he was like, are you fucking kidding me? That was, like, the funniest thing ever. And you know what? Freddy has knife, knives for fingers, so I think it's a valid thing yeah. for my teenage brain to have thought when I didn't know what it was. But I will say, I, I thought it to an age that was probably not really, like, acceptable. Because I didn't really, like, I just kind of accepted it as, like, knowledge. And I never, like, looked uh-huh. into it. So for a very long time, I thought Freddy Got Fingered was a Nightmare on Elm Street film. 
That's so cute, honestly. Okay, Thank I you. Look this up, Brady. You're going to be like, listen, when I was growing up, I was horny as fuck for Freddy Krueger. <laughs> Which, honestly, even then, I wasn't going to judge you that much because, not that I am, but I've said some worse shit, I feel like, on this podcast. And there's right. definitely people that get turned on by Freddy Krueger. Like, they do. I mean, there's someone for everyone. And I'm not, I'm not, of all people, I'm not going to motherfucking kink shame on this goddamn podcast, okay? <laughs> um, it's not going to be me. But yeah, so now that it's out there and everyone can know now that I Thought Freddy Got Fingered was a movie about Freddy Krueger, Greg can't hold that over my head anymore. I can't wait to tell him that I exposed myself. Take away every piece of power you gave that motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Um... Well, on that note, Yay. let's get into the franchise, starting with uh, Freddy Got Fingered as number one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, no, let's start with the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, so, for those of you who are assuming, if you're listening, that you've seen the franchise, if you're interested, if you want to revisit, if you haven't, um, most of these are all on HBO Max currently. For some reason, Nightmare 3 is not on HBO Max. But if you want to watch everything other than Nightmare 3, they're all available currently on HBO Max. That's where I did my rewatching. Um, but so, for those who don't know, Nightmare on Elm Street, the premise of the film is there is this, we'll call him a serial killer, uh, supernatural entity that comes to these kids on Elm Street in their dreams and if he hurts them or kills them in their dreams it happens to them in real life they discovered that um, their parents had kept a secret from them for years that when they were children this man Freddy Krueger was running rampant essentially as a child murderer and when the parents found out about it they um, essentially cornered him in like a warehouse whatever doesn't fucking matter and killed him set him on fire whatever so he has come back as a supernatural entity in these surviving children's dreams to finish the work he started and kill them. That's why he is burnt to a crisp. Um, And that's pretty much the premise. And then you've got our our amazing final girl, Nancy, which uh, was my Halloween costume this past year. Um, It was. It was so good. Yes, uh, co-host, well, both the hosts of our sister podcast, Dearly Departed, um, Roberto went as uh, Glenn, which is Johnny Depp's, you know, iconic look from Nightmare. And uh, Abby went as sexy Freddy Krueger. Um, yeah. And it was fun. I mean, we did it in quarantine, so it was, like, within our apartment. But you know what? I don't give a shit because I'm not the type to really go out heavily partying anyway. So I'm always really dressing up for myself and the gram, as the kids say. Um, <laughs> it was a great costume. It was really good. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm the type of bitch that, like, I – to a fault especially because it's like then people are like but you like aren't concerned with like going out to parties for people to see and I'm like no I'm tapped like I'm doing this (laughs) for me but I'm like I will do everything I can like I start searching I almost figure out my next Halloween costume like like six months or more before October hits because I will then go and scour the internet to get the close if not an exact replica to the exact costume I want and this Mm -hmm. year uh, this past year I was like searching for the Nancy pajamas and they like were impossible to find so I had to like buy these like white pajamas from the Gap and then co-host of another uh, podcast that we promoted on here, um, Love Portions, uh, Cornelia, she did me such a solid and she like, I don't even know what it, not not crocheted, but since she like sewed in the Nancy flower design on the pajamas and they looked exactly like Nancy's, it was awesome. Anywho, moving off that tangent, um, the idea to me of you can't fall asleep 
Mm-hmm. Oh my god, I'm tired all the time. Yeah, I don't think I could st- like I can never stay awake for like 24 hours, so I can't imagine trying to stay awake indefinitely. No, wouldn't happen. Honestly, I I don't think that I would survive a nightmare movie because yeah. unless I was a dream warrior, which I don't think that I am, because if I was a dream warrior bitch, I would be deciding some much different dreams for myself. I can tell you that. Um I've always tried to be able to control my dreams and lucid dream and, you know, change uh-huh. the outcome and just even recognize that I'm dreaming. The second I fall asleep, I could have I could be underwater with like all my dead relatives, you know, married to Jared Padalecki, and I'm like, yeah, this is my life. I have like no concept that I'm dreaming ever. So I would absolutely just die. There's no question. No, literally like and the thing is like the second I wake up, I'm like Right. Unless it's like right. a really intense dream where you're like, have to lay there for a minute and you're like, this is reality, this is reality, this is reality. Yeah. But like, yeah, it's like the, for every second you're in that dream, you there's no questions. You've accepted the entire reality that your subconscious has created. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there would be no me like, oh my God, I'm in a dream. I got to like focus to fight Freddy. I'm fucking dog meat, bro. Like yeah, I'm no. not making it out. <laughs> Um, Nightmare. Um, mm-hmm. There's so much to praise about this. I mean, for starters, I want to start with Nancy. Right. She's one of my favorite final girls. Um, just because, and this cannot be said, I will say, about every final girl. I mean, I feel like when you go back further in horror films, it's less so the case. I feel like the, mo- the more we move up in time with horror films and final girls, this becomes more so the case. Like, she has a sense of agency, right? Like, it's not mm-hmm. like this stuff is happening to her. And that's kind of it. Because in some of these earlier, I feel like, horror films, it's like, the final girl survives because of the whole, like, oh, she's a virgin and blah, blah. And, like, at the last second, you know, she's like, ah! And, like, you picks up a knife and, like, throws it and, like, gets lucky, right? <laughs> um, but bitch could be me, easily. So I'm not judging these girls. But Nancy, is stuff happening to her? Yes. Is, is she scared for her life? Yes. Is she suffering? Yes. But she... What makes her awesome is she takes control of the situation. Like, she's badass. Like, she's She's like, Glenn, come over and watch me. I'm going to go in my dream. I'm going to find this motherfucker. Um, what? She's fucking bold as hell. We get in this movie, which is one... Which is why no Nightmare movie will ever be top the original for me. We get a goddamn, before Home Alone even happened, Macaulay Culkin booby trap fucking sequins... Of her, like, dead-ass booby-trapping the house. She put, like, fucking, like, gunpowder in a light bulb. Like, she's crazy. I love her. She's just so badass. And the thing I like about her is that, like, you know what? I'll compare it, and I'll bring this up again when we talk about the remake. But, like, Rooney Mara and the remake is, like, doing this whole, like, mopey, sad girl thing. Mm, like, yeah. she's different from other girls. And I'm not going to say any more about it because we'll discuss it. But the thing that the original Nancy is different in that way and why I like her more, obviously, no Tino Shade to Rooney Mara at all, but, you know, just the character she's playing, but is because Nancy is your average girl, right? She isn't this loner. She's different from other girls, you know, bullshit that I don't care about. And she's also not, you know, Miss Popularity, head cheerleader, blah, blah. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just like... The thing that makes Nancy great is that any girl watching it, or anybody watching it, female identifying or not, you can you can see yourself as Nancy because yeah. she's a normal, average girl. Like, she's an everyday girl, and not in a way that makes her boring, but in a way that makes her relatable. Yeah, and I think it was really smart. This is, like, her first big, like, movie role. 
And I think it was really smart of Wes Craven to pick somebody who was relatively unknown at the time because then it it just feeds into that even more of like she's just your average like girl that anyone could like relate to because she's not fucking like Jennifer Aniston or Julia Roberts like she's just Nancy like you recognize her you see her you go oh that's Nancy because that's how you are first introduced to her and I think the same way with Johnny Depp and his it's his first film role too and he's so good he's so cute Oh, that crap. Yes, top. he is. Your dreamy boy next door boyfriend. He's the, oh my god, he is the boy next door. Like, I mean, because he deadass lives next door to Nancy. Um, But he's he's the dream boyfriend because he's cute. He's like a little funny. Like, you get the scene at the beginning when he's like lying to his mom, pretending he's like at the airport and like using a cassette. Yeah. And this whole thing. Um, He's a little dumb. But he's like, he's not afraid. He, yeah, he's like, he's not quite a himbo. Um, no. not really, but, you know, we all want our boyfriends just to be a little dumb, right? At least I don't want to be intellectually challenged by my partner, <laughs> which is, I feel like, been stated already. And then, you know, you get the iconic crop top, which for, oh, bring them back. We said it, I think, in our Sleepaway Camp episode. Bring back the fucking cutoff jorts. Bring back yes. the crop tops. We are all begging. I don't understand. It's a understand. hot look. What are y'all not getting? Um... But anywho, but then of course you have the iconic, just like so many deaths in this movie too Mm -hmm. are so good. I mean, you have the death of her like writhing on the ceiling, being like torn apart. So good. And they like definitely did that in like one of those rooms that you like is like suspended and you can turn it upside down, like all this Mm -hmm. shit, Um, which I always think is a fun concept. And then you get the iconic, which is debatably the best kill, I think personally for me in the movie is Glenn getting sucked into the bed and then the gallons of blood coming out. I think, if I'm remembering correctly, like, that scene was even more, like, grisly. And I think probably because of, like, ratings things, they had to, like, cut it back. Yeah. Even what you get still is, like, you know, outrageous. And I remember always watching it and the scene where after Glenn's dad and Nancy's dad, who's, like, the police chief or whatever, he shows up across the street to Glenn's house and... He goes up to the bedroom, and I think it's with Glenn's father, and they show Glenn's father, I think, like, looking into the room and seeing the aftermath, and we don't see it, mm-hmm. which, honestly, we've talked about this, I think, in our Jaws episode. That's always an effective tool, is, like, not to, like, it's, it's learning how to perfectly balance that, right? Like, we get to see the, the outstanding gore of, like, Glenn screaming and being pulled into the bed, already so scary, then the, like, cannon of blood shooting out mm. up into the ceiling incredible we don't get to see anything after that though and that's almost what you want to see the most you're like i want to see when it was all said and done what did it look like and wes will not show you and it just allows your mind once again to just go to the the scariest Mm. places for me i'll say right now it's ranked as my number one in the series um i don't know about you alex um it is yes yes you can't beat it you can't because it's like the perfect concoct and even Freddy Krueger like Robert Englund right you like get this guy to play this role and he like like where you could have had somebody that is just like a Kane Hodder type like somebody that's willing who has the right body type will be put in the latex or whatever and just like deliver the lines they're given or at the very least just do the role and then maybe they have somebody come back in later in ADR the lines over Robert Englund is is Freddy 
there will never be another Freddy. He embodies it. And for, how, for however you feel about the movies to come and how goofy they get, and obviously him still being Freddy and how goofy he gets with Freddy, first of all, like, he wasn't writing these scripts. But, like, the perfect example, if you ever question Robert Englund as Freddy, go back and watch the original. He is so good because he's just so scary. And he doesn't have to go to the places of, like, doing the, like, you know, welcome to primetime, bitch, which I love. But, like, he doesn't have to do these crazy quips or one-liners. He still gets, like, dialogue and, like, you know, I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. But it doesn't play silly. It plays horrifying. And he just does it so well. Yeah, I think, I I feel like the original is, like, the most iconic version of Freddy Krueger because, yeah, like you said, no one else could play Freddy the way that he plays Freddy because he just ha- physically, the way that he moves, the way that he speaks, the way that he carries himself, just, like, the way that he, like, walks down the dark alley during Tina's, like, nightmare with, like, the big arms is so, like, creepy and haunting. And, I mean, oh, there is yeah. camp to it because, like, the I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy, which is probably my favorite line of the whole series like then it gets like the fun phone tongue like licking her mouth oh, yeah, which is yeah, like yeah. so campy and silly so like he balances it so well being like kind of that like i don't know like sassy guy but not really obviously that t- takes over more in like the third film um where they kind of lean into the the silliness of it at this point like later on in the series you're coming to the movies for freddie right you're coming because freddie is a character freddie is a pop mm-hmm. culture icon now you want the crazy freddie lines which is fine in the first movie when he does those it almost makes his character just read as like fully just fucking like sick and crazed like yeah, he's, he's getting off yeah he's getting off on killing these kids um mm-hmm. and like up until the second that he kills them torturing them and terrifying them Mm -hmm. like it's it's everything so that's the og a nightmare on elm street yeah then this one i've got a lot to say about i'm sure you do we get to 1985 they come out with a nightmare sequel a nightmare on elm street 2 freddy's revenge alex do you want to synopsize this or i can do it if you don't want to yeah i can do it um, so okay. Nightmare on Elm Street 2 takes place five years after the end of the first film where um, we have our very first Scream Queen who is a man, um, Scream King, I guess. Um, he is played by Mark Patton, who is yep. excellent, wonderful, I love him. Um, and he plays Jesse, whose family, parents and sister move into Nancy's old house on Elm Street. And he's kind of, you know, the shy kid. He's not really, like, very popular. He has a crush on his next-door neighbor, who's this, like, really pretty redhead, which you know I love. Um, Mm -hmm. And essentially, Freddy comes back and wants him to kill for him. Um, So he kind of takes on this, like, surrogate role of, like, Freddy trying the whole film to, like, get inside his body to, like, be alive and kill people through Jesse. Um, But obviously this film is known as being one of the gayest horror films ever made um you know there's a lot of i don't even want to say subtext because it's very much in your face like this movie mm-hmm. is has a lot of gay overtones um obviously we'll talk about the fact that mark Patton himself is gay but at the time of filming he was not really out which you know mm-hmm. was very difficult for him um and you know there's a lot to say about the writer and directors 
which I'm sure we'll get into. Oh, I have some shit to say. Um, but I mean, overall, it's just like a really fun time. Um, I love how gay it is. I think it's important to have gay f- LGBTQ films, even if it's not supposed to like like outwardly be that. Um, I love that we have a male lead. I think he's really fun. I think a lot of the deaths are fun. Um, you know, it's not my favorite of the series, but it's it's a fun follow-up. It's very different than the original. Um, obviously, Wes Craven did not direct mm-hmm. this one. Um, but I think it has a lot of merit. I mean, what do you love about it? What do you hate about it? This is known as, you know, the the worst, for a lot of people, the worst one in the series. I think that's they crazy. They hate it. Oh, girl. It is, be- like, y'all, I'm sorry. I'm going to say right now, if you're listening, if you think this is the worst of the series, you need to revisit it and ask yourself again, or you're tapped. I, it's one or the other because you're wrong or you're wrong it's it's simple like that <laughs> I love this movie and it wasn't until recently that I like fully because I there wasn't even I didn't watch this for a long time because of the fact that I was like well it's bad right mm-hmm. like people say it's the worst it's shit like why do I care about seeing it then and I think even when I did finally watch it for the first time I was like yeah it's what everyone says it is it's obviously very blatantly gay it's kind of, it's not good. And it wasn't until that I did some more growing myself and rewatched it. And this is actually my shutter pick for the month. If you guys follow us on Twitter, we do shutter picks every month. My shutter pick of the month is this documentary that came out uh, last year, I believe, um, called Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street. And it follows Mark Patton and his journey of getting cast in this movie and how it destroyed his career because of homophobia in Hollywood and the AIDS like epidemic and all that shit. And it's it's it simultaneously like brings you to tears of joy and tears of like sorrow. It's so mm-hmm. fucking good. And once I saw that and then revisited Nightmare on Elm Street: Freddy's Revenge, a whole new appreciation for it. Is if your issue with this movie is that it strays from the original Nightmare lore. I understand that because this movie is a possession movie. Point blank period. It's a great possession movie. It isn't necessarily a great Freddy Krueger nightmare movie. I agree. Because the whole thing is like, the dream logic is different because like obviously in the first one, the whole thing is like, and and later ones too. The whole thing with Freddy is he comes to you in your dreams and he kills you in your dreams. This is a whole other thing from the start of him being like, I'm going to use this kid that now, he's not even saying that he's an Elm Street kid because he's not. He just moved there. So it has yeah, nothing to not. do with him trying to get revenge on the Elm Street children. It's him being like, well, you just happen to move into Nancy's house, which I guess is like a portal for him where he's like, in theory, like haunting because he's very ghostly and possession-like in this movie and he wants to take over Jesse's body. You know, you be the body, I'll be the brains, he says. Um... <laughs> to kill people um which then the whole metaphor the whole game metaphor through a lot of the movie is like kind of like he um jesse mark Patton's character is kind of like this fear of like oh my god being taken over is by like almost like accepting his gayness Mm -hmm. which then in later years oh my god there's just so much to say about this movie y'all i'm imploring you to watch this documentary whether you like the nightmare series or not it's truly essential viewing It's so fucking good. Um, And it's so just informative. Anyhow, like, I feel like I'm getting so worked up about this movie. (laughs) But another thing with the lore in this movie is, like, at one point, like, Freddy just, like, fully comes out of the dream and is, like, running around at this pool party. And everyone's awake. 
And, like, mind you, in the first movie, like, Nancy does a thing where she, like, pulls Freddy out of a dream and blah, blah, blah. And then he's back in reality with her and that's how she fights him. But even in that movie, that's, like, up for debate of whether she ever really pulled him out of the dream because, like all this shit is happening and then at the end you know when they pull away with like the Freddy Krueger car you're like oh my god she's still in a dream she's gonna die whatever um this one is blatantly like Freddy Krueger's at a pool party now running around <laughs> like with like t- fucking 20-30 people which also we've never isn't really Freddy Krueger like Freddy is the type he wants to get you alone he wants to get you vulnerable when you can't get help him running around with just like knives for fingers when there's like 30 people nobody could tackle this motherfucker because in theory, also, when he's in the real world, he has no supernatural powers. He's Good just point. a dude with knives for fingers. So I understand on that front people having a problem with this movie. The gay subtext in this movie, like, I, I, I love it. Because like you were saying, like, for many people, and they talk about this in the documentary, like, this is, for many young gay men, they're seeing themselves on screen. There's people that talk about, in these documentaries, like, young gay men that would watch horror films, like, you love horror, and when they saw themselves on screen, they saw themselves as the final girl, because final girls mm-hmm. had to overcome. Final girls had to face these bullies and these monsters. And for sure, especially back in the 80s, members of the gay community for sure had to do that. So then you give them a final boy and not only a final boy but a final boy who seems very outwardly like he is gay like that is like the first time so many of these kids are seeing themselves on screen and that's just so important and to be quite honest his performance is not bad i live for the scream oh he's so good at screaming but that's the thing it's like he's serving quote-unquote a womanly scream i'm not gonna gender screams here but, like, it's very high-pitched. It's very mm-hmm. shrill. It's better than a lot of these girlies in these movies are fucking giving us for it's screams. It's emotive. Oh, my God. It is It is debatably one of the best screams, if not the best scream of the entire fucking series. Like, nobody is screaming like this bitch. Um, but a huge thing we got to talk about, and it's mm-hmm. very heavily talked about in the documentary, is the way this ruined Mark Patton's career is the fact that in the 80s with the AIDS crisis and there's a whole thing in Hollywood like you know people freaking out about it so of course like you did not feel safe to come out as gay because like it just wasn't the case because people were getting blood tests when they were getting hired for projects they were getting blood tested before they could get come on and work because obviously if they tested positive for Mm -hmm. HIV or whatever you're done you're over it's ridiculous and Mark Patton was living, you'll have to excuse me, I don't remember everyone's name or whatever, but he was living with another actor who was working actively in Hollywood who was gay, and they were dating, obviously secretly, but they were living together. And this man who was dating um, got HIV and died from it, um, and it was awful for him. And he was sick during the, his boyfriend, Mark Patton's boyfriend, was sick during the filming of Nightmare. So he was dealing with that, having to be closeted, And then realizing while he's filming this, like, oh my god, this is a gay movie. And this was his big break. Like, he did some cool shit before this movie. Like, he worked with Cher. Yeah, he was was very impressive. But this was, like, his big starring role movie breakout. And he realized, like, and at the time, like, now if this happened, I would pray that it wouldn't be, no one would be, like, if they were realizing, like, oh my god, this is a gay movie. Great. Okay, whatever. Still my starring role, you know. Still my breakout. Still gonna be great. Back then career killer 
So literally out of fear after all of this, and of course all these reviews are coming in of people like talking shit about it, and like this went on for many years after the 80s, as we said. Like in the documentary, they show people at conventions in modern times, and of course so many of them are men, talking about like, oh my God, it's the worst one. It's like so gay. And it's like, why don't you just tell us that you're insecure with your masculinity? Just like say that. Just say that instead. Um, But he literally quit acting. He like moved to, I think, like, Mexico or somewhere, yeah, like, um, found another partner or whatever, and just, it was awful for him. Like, during that time, like, being a young actor with so much, like, this is his dream. And I just want to say, first of all, I love Mark Patton. I didn't know I loved Mark Patton until I watched (laughs) this documentary. Uh, I rewatched it again, like, two nights ago to prepare for this, and I cried again. I was like, the way that Mark Patton in this documentary talks about Cher and how he feels about Cher, I feel that way about Mark Patton. Like, not even being funny. And he talks about, and he's just like such a sweet human being. He talks about how he goes to these conventions and, you know, you feel a little bit like a whore because you go Mm -hmm. and you get paid to take pictures and sign autographs. But, like, that's how a lot of people make a living, and I respect that. Um, You know, there are superstars that you will never meet because they will never go to conventions and never allow you to meet them. And he was talking about, like, when you meet these people, you have to be on. Like, they want you to be a fucking icon. They want you to be a superstar. And that's what you have to be because for a lot of them, they will never meet you again. And all it takes is two seconds in an interaction for you to just kind of be like, whatever, and you ruin it for them. And I will not do that for people. And I just, like, respect the shit out of him. But the writer and the director of this movie, let me pull up these motherfuckers' names because I'm going to put them on motherfucking blast. I love that I'm – this is, like, the Anya's – talk show i'm having so much fun oh my god i just like literally when i rewatched the documentary i was like we're gonna have to spend a minute on nightmare too because i got shit to say um jack shoulder and david chaskin i believe david chaskin is who wrote the movie correct he wrote this movie and for years after it came out he denied it being a gay movie denied it and it was blaming Mark Patton, being like, it wasn't written as a gay movie, but then, you know, based on casting choices, it became that. Um, then later, a time later, when it kind of became like, you know, people were coming around to this movie again, kind of accepting it for what it was, and like it be- becoming a cult classic within the Nightmare series, he started to own it a little bit more. You know, there was an interview which Mark Patton gets to confront him in the documentary, and he says, like, you know, you said, like, oh, I actually wrote this as, like, a homophobic movie about how, like, the love of a good woman can save you because at the end of the movie, Mark Patton's girlfriend, when he's, like, fully possessed as Freddy Krueger, kisses him and that's what saves him. And it's just asinine and it's just, like, this stupid shit where it's, like, essentially for years the whole thing is, like, he was, like, even if I put, like, subtle, very subtle gay, you know, subtext in there, it was all subtext. It became not subtext when they cast Mark. Shut the fuck up. And, like, Mark Patton comes for him, as he should, and he's like, you know, you know, you, everything I did in the fucking movie was written in the script. The iconic dancing scene, which many people feel is very gay, was written in the script. Um, The BDSM scene in the locker room, written in the script. The gay BDSM club, written in the script. Like, how the fuck are you going to sit there and say that I made your fucking movie gay? Which, and now, he's he's a um, LGBTQ activist, Mark Patton, so obviously he's not, like, 
upset that the movie is gay. He's upset that at a time when being gay or whatever unfortunately could ruin your career, this man was just like, wasn't me, wiping my hands clean, it was you. And he just like, Mark Patton sits down for this interview with him and this guy just like looks like a fucking scumball. I'll say it. He can come for my neck. I don't give a fuck. This goddamn loser. I hate him. And what almost makes it worse is right before he sits down for this interview, the director, Zach Shoulder. Jack. Jack, excuse me. Jack Shoulder. They sit down at this fire pit with the cast reunited. And they're talking. And the guy that plays, forgive me, I don't have his name in front of me, that plays... Um, Rod, I think. Yes, Rod. Who, like, I, I wanted to bring this up. He reminded me of the guy from when we did the blob, the original blob, where it's like the two guy best friends were like, mm-hmm. at first you're like, oh, he's a bully. But then it's like, oh no, they're like bros. Right. And it's like that weird male friendship thing where they're like mm-hmm. always competing, but also like they're bros. And I like, I don't know. It's so strange to me and I don't understand it fully, but I love it. But anywho, that actor is talking about like, oh yeah, like I knew from the audition that this was a gay movie, you know? And you know, Zach Shoulder's sitting there acting like, Jack. I, I never, why do I keep saying Zach? Goddamn. Jack Shoulder is like playing stupid, which I'm not even getting into that. Let's sure, give him the benefit of the doubt. He really didn't know. He's really a dense, straight white man that didn't understand that this was a gay movie. He has the motherfucking audacity after all the shit that happened to Mark Patton, after the, the true final boy strength that Mark Patton showed, not only within Nightmare 2, but within his own life. He next morning, after essentially... Mark opens up to everybody and tells them, like, this was the experience that it was for me. And, you know, I do hold a grudge and I feel very hurt by David Chaskin and the things that he has said over the years about me. And, like, how he's only just recently even remotely taking credit for this being a gay movie when for so many years he put that blame, so to say, on me. That I really made it gay. And then fucking... Jack Shoulder, next morning, he's like, hey, I want to talk to you about something I said last night. And, you know, I should have said it last night, whatever. He fucking tells fucking Mark Patton in so many words, I think you should get over it. Like, that was so many years ago. I saw Red. I knew it was coming because I'd seen the documentary before. I saw fucking Red. Could you imagine? Like, this stupid motherfucker, you guys. I'm going to get so angry. That is this straight white man working in Hollywood as a director. Talk about motherfucking privilege. Talk about privilege. And you're going to come to Mark Patton, who literally had to quit his dream because he was gay. And that was not allowed. And then people that that worked on this movie almost made active efforts to out him and make it his fault. And you're going to tell him that after so much that it was destroyed for him, you should get over it. I don't know why you're holding that grudge. On sight, motherfucker. I would, on sight. I see Jack's shoulder in the street. I see David Chaskin in the street. You better fucking put him up. We're duking, baby. Like, I'm, I'm, ooh, it makes me so angry. And because Mark Patton is an angel and a beautiful human being, for his own, I think, peace of mind, he's moved on from them. Like, he's forgiven them. He got what he wanted from them. He can forgive them, and I wish Mark Patton nothing but joy and happiness for the rest of his life. I would love to meet Mark Patton one day. That's a dream of mine. Um, the other two can choke, for all I give a fuck. And that's, I think, the end of my huge-ass rant. This was, like, 20 minutes of me going off on this. Uh, I just want to make note that we haven't talked about the movie at all. Um. <laughs> yeah, we haven't. Um, no. <laughs> is there stuff you want to say about the movie now that I've, like, literally winded myself over this? I mean, I think that the fact that his career really was cut short is really tragic and horrible because he was on, like, mm-hmm. a huge incline. And he was. I really think he could have been a very big star. 
Um, I'm very pleased that he seems like he's doing well now. He has, you know, gotten a life that he feels happy with, and that's really all that matters. I think that David Chaskin, you know, saying... I think it's bullshit that he has been so vocal about the fact now that he's like, oh, yeah, I always knew it was a gay film, but, like, was actively denying it when it didn't serve him and then when it became like oh no we like this this is a good thing now he's like oh no that was me taking credit for it it's just like such a fucking right white male bullshit thing to do um i'm not a fan of, of either of them as for the film itself i mean i love all of the i love all of the gay context i love him i love you know i don't love a lot of the freddy stuff because like you said it's very different than all of the other films where it's not so much focused on like freddy being freddy um but Mm -hmm. i think there's some fun kills i'm really a huge fan of the scene where the um with the gym teacher is in his like fucking bdsm outfit and all the balls are flying off the wall because the editing in this film i will say is not very good because I remember clocking it the first time I saw it, and it's my favorite thing, which is that there's just, like, a bunch of shots of balls flying, and they show a basketball fly off the shelf at him, cuts to him getting hit in the head with a volleyball, and then it cuts to the basketball falling to the floor, and I just think that's fucking amazingly horrible editing. <laughs> I fucking live for it. Um, but something that we, we haven't really done, and I think that we should do for all of these films, is I would love to know what your favorite kill is, since that's something we usually do. Um... I know you said in the first one, Glenn is your favorite kill. My favorite kill in the first one is Tina on the wall and the ceiling because it's fucking iconic. Um, my favorite scene kill in this one is the gym teacher getting fucking tied up to the shower and getting whipped, in whipped that on shower. the ass and then clawed to death. I think it's, you know. Yeah. You, how are you going to blame Mark Patton for the gayness of that scene when He's like he wasn't even doing anything. He literally wasn't doing anything in that scene. Yeah, how is that his fault? Like you chose to have balls flying at a man who's wearing like a black leather harness, and then you strip him naked, you whip his ass in the shower. How is that Mark Patton's fault? Make it make sense. And the thing about it in the script is like, which took me I feel like almost a few watches to fully understand, is the gym teacher is actually at the BDSM bar. Yes. No. Yeah. He is. They're actually in the high school because the next day they find their gym teacher dead in the locker room. Yeah. Like, it, so at first it almost seems like, oh, you know, Jesse, because he's gay, is like dreaming of his gym teacher. At this because Jesse's, Jesse's character technically is not gay. Right. I honestly love the rod kill because mm-hmm. it's, once again, I mean, if you are really curious, if you haven't seen this movie, like, what makes it so gay? I Just, like, watch it. Like, you'll understand. Like, there's a lot of subtext. You but, can't miss you know, it. The scene, he, like, you know, in the scene before this, he runs out on his girlfriend, who he was about to have sex with, to go have a sleepover at this guy's house. You know, whatever. But oh, Rod, right. I love Rod because, like, he is a good friend for him. This, this this kid that, like, he seemingly might be at odds with has come to him in his time of need and is like, I need you to watch me while I sleep. Like, make sure nothing happens. And he's like, Fine. Right. Like, lets him stay over, which I think is great. But this scene is so good because you get the visual of, you know, Jesse's like, oh, my God, it's happening again. He's taking over me. And Freddy Krueger busts out of his chest. Mm -hmm. And he's like, mind you, Mark Patton is screaming to the gods for us. And it's just like one of those scary things where it's like, Rod is awake now. He's not even Mm -hmm. asleep. He's awake 
in the comfort of his own bedroom, lights on, and it's just a sequence of, like, him being like, oh my god, like, obviously Jesse can't help him, and this fucking crazed motherfucker's coming out of his chest, and he's just banging on the bedroom door, and he's like, dad, dad, like, yelling for his father, and his father's on the other side, and he can't get unlocked, and I just, like, think it's so good, not only because we get the great visual of him breaking out, but just, like, that pure terror of, like, Help is literally on the other side of the door. It's not even mm-hmm. like I need to wake up. The door just needs to unlock and I can't get out and I'm going to die in my literal like childhood bedroom. That shit's scary. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's my favorite kill. But I, It's a good scene. I think there's a lot to enjoy about this movie. If you go, go in knowing, forget about the fucking, you know, the gay subtext stuff. If you go in knowing that like, yeah, this is going to break form from like the other Nightmare movies, I think it's an excellent possession movie. I think it's one of my favorite possession movies I've ever seen and I'm to be quite honest if you accept it for that and just enjoy it there's so much fun to be had there's a fucking sequence with the fucking canary setting on fire in their living room and it's wild <laughs> um I, so I have a lot of fun with this movie so for me this ranks third out of all the nightmare movies for me what about you um I think if you had asked me last time I did the a rewatch of all of them it probably would have been third as well but on this rewatch I found that I appreciated other films a little bit more so this actually comes fifth for me even though I do really like it. I think okay. the first five are very strong in my top five and then from there it's all trash um but it's it's fifth by like a small margin like it could easily be third but just like the way that I felt mm-hmm. when I watched them this time it it, it fell to fifth. Honestly, on this rewatch that I did most recently, mm-hmm. I almost had this as my second favorite. Really? I almost had this above, I won't give it away, but my second favorite movie, which is saying a lot. Like, I, like, really enjoyed it so much. Like, I feel like 2 was a really, really fun movie to watch with a group of people because it's so silly and over the top. But I think when I watched mm-hmm. it by myself, I was really focused on, like, how poor the editing was specifically and how, like, the story itself I didn't really care as much about because like I really liked his character and I like all the stupid shit that happens but as like a nightmare film I didn't really care as much about Freddy's journey and I think that's why it fell short for me this time around um I was gonna say something and I know I talked about it honestly debatably more than I talked about nightmare 2 itself but if you want to watch and I really implore you to um well, I already said, because it's a Shutter pick. But if you want to watch uh, Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street, it is streaming on Shutter. It might be available to rent from other places, and it's definitely worth every cent you have to pay for it. Um, I think it's amazing. I think it's wonderful. Um, so, moving on, and hopefully we won't. I won't take as long, because I don't think I have as much to say about any of the other ones as I did as Nightmare 2, um, is Nightmare 3, uh, Dream Warriors, which for many people... This is their ultimate. This is their favorite. They think it's better than the original. Um, So the premise of Nightmare 3, essentially everything that follows Nightmare 2, kind of like, without overtly doing it, kind of like just like pretends that Nightmare 2 didn't happen. Um, Because it's never, like in the subsequent movies that come after this, they kind of all reference each other at some point. Nightmare 2 references Nightmare 1, but none of the following movies ever, as far as I can remember, reference anything about Nightmare 2. Yeah, because I think they were kind of like, LOL, that didn't happen. (laughs) Moving on. Um, But Nightmare 3 Dream Warriors, um, we got motherfucking Patricia Arquette in this bitch serving. And essentially she um, is having dreams about Freddy Krueger. In one of them, he makes her like slit her wrist. So of course she's found in time. Her mother 
puts her into uh, a mental hospital. And there, there's all these other kids, a group of kids, the dream warriors, that have found out that even before they met each other, somehow they all were dreaming about the same guy, Freddy Krueger. So Freddy Krueger is after these kids. Um, they're the last of the Elm Street kids. So at this hospital, there's this doctor that like is working with them. Um, can't remember his name. Neil Gordon. Neil, you're right. Um, but just hired at this hospital at the same time was who but Miss Nancy Thompson, recent graduate of what the fuck ever. Um, <laughs> but she essentially like comes into their like support group, like circle and essentially she's like, I know what's going on. Like, I believe you guys that this guy's coming from your dreams. And actually, you all essentially have these different dream powers. When you go in, they can essentially lucid dream almost. They have control of what goes on in their dreams. Um, so, like, you know, the one kid that is a wheelchair user, in his dream, he um, not only can walk, but he um, has, like, magic. He's like a wizard. Yeah, um, like d The one girl... Yeah, the one girl that, like, was a drug abuser. She has one of my favorite lines where she is in her dream. She's in this, like, leather, and she's got, like, a mo. She's beautiful. And she says, in my dreams, I'm beautiful and bad. And she has these two little switchblades she puts up. Oh, I'm obsessed with her. Um, Like, Kincaid, another one of the kids, he has super strength, essentially, in his dreams, which I want to make a note about the wheelchair user thing. This is just something in general with disability and how it's displayed in the media, and especially back in the 80s, where, like, Low-key, it is offensive because it's one of those things, again, where it's like, well, what would any wheelchair, excuse me, what would any wheelchair user's dream be? To walk. And for so many people with disabilities, like, because it's because it's made by able-bodied people, they're like, well, what you would want would to be quote-unquote normal. Which to them, they're like, that's your definition of normal. So I honestly wish, and it's asking for a lot, I know because this takes place in 1987, um, you know, that his had nothing to do with the wheelchair it was just that he's now a wizard but of course you know i wish that his was that he felt beautiful and bad that would be awesome that would be everything um but that's the purpose of the movie patricia arquette is kind of our final girl yes she's kind of sharing equal time with nancy because we're there with her as she's going in these dreams and like discovering more of her powers and facing freddie and nancy well she's trying to convince neil that like i know what i'm talking about like we have to give these kids this experimental drug so they can face freddie her father comes back um john saxon john saxon yes king um her, him and heather langenkamp come back for three nightmare movies total they're in three nightmare yeah. movies total which is awesome um but, yeah, and that's the purpose of the movie is Nancy helping them fight Freddy. There, this has, some, I mean, from this point on, we get some iconic kills in all the movies. Like, there's great kills. Something I will say for the Nightmare movies is there's almost always really fun kills. Because for of the, the fact part. that you're working with a, within a dream and thus everything can be dream logic, yeah. you can really do anything. Which becomes a fault later where like we can do anything and it's like you guys are doing too much um but yeah I mean so much to love about this movie this is the one that has um welcome to prime time bitch in the head of the tv this is the movie that Freddie really gets his um over the top sassy one-liners and where he really starts to utilize the word bitch quite a lot at the end of every little punchline um so this really is like the the birth of the freddy krueger that we kind of know now where he strays away from being like just purely terrifying and goes into that campy route but robert england does it so well i mean he really leans the fuck into it but i think this one's so much fun because i think because it's set in like one specific location 
I really I always like films where it's like um, in Saw 2 where like everything is you know together in one room where like everyone has to like you know work together I like I, I always enjoy films like that so I really like the mental institution of you know with with all the kids and all of you know their different skills and their dreams and all the way like, there's so many characters that you can do so much with um and obviously Nancy coming back is iconic Heather Langenkamp is wonderful I love her she has her gray streak even though I believe it's on the wrong side of her head mm-hmm. in this film but whatever I can let that go um but I, this has my favorite practical effect in probably like any horror movie which is when Freddy Krueger is like the big worm Oh yeah, he gets Patricia Arquette in his mouth, and he just like slowly like sucks her in. Which I think I read that like she fucking hated, and it was a horrible, horrible experience to do. But it looks so good, so good. Dream Warriors is like, I mean, I get why people think the Dream Warriors is the best one because I think that it's of all of them the most creative, and I think it's the most fun. But I mean, you can't beat the classic original film. Where like all the these wonderful ideas are introduced, but Dream Dream Warriors is really really close second for me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, all of the acting is really really good. There's not a lot of like dead air where I'm like I don't care about like what what we're doing. Let's move it along. Like I really am invested in all of the characters. I love the primetime bitch kill. It's so fucking good. Yeah, I really don't have many faults with this one. Well, the great thing about a lot of the movies is they're they're around like a tight ninety, like most of them, which I yeah. always appreciate. I've said it. I don't know mm. if I've said it on this podcast, but I fucking cannot stand these two hour plus movies. Like that's y'all just like being honestly, weirdly enough, that's you being lazy. That's like you're not doing yeah. the work to make a succinct story. And you're just like, and it of course comes a lot of times with these established directors who are like, oh, I'm now God's gift to the world because I made like two good movies. So you're gonna sit every idea I have can't purge it. Can't lose it. They're all immaculate. And it's like, no. Fucking at least 40 minutes of this I did not need to sit through for your, you know, two-hour, 40-minute motherfucking stupid-ass movie. Oh, this shit makes me angry. But, I mean, yeah, going back to what you said about, you know, you can't top the original. I think something, again, which I've talked about on here before, I love suburban horror, and it's very Mm. much suburban horror. Like, you know, they're all these kids from the same little neighborhood, Elm Street, and... You know, it takes place in her her childhood home, in her childhood bedroom, where, like, you don't really get that in this one. They're in, like, a psych ward or whatever you want to call it. But I know I've also said this, and I think I said it on the Child's Play episode. We have progressed past, I know I've said this, the need for psych ward horror, right? Like, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of the psych ward horror because I feel like a lot of times it can be offensive to people with mental illness and stuff like that. But this doesn't seem to fall into that trap because the whole thing about this movie is the way that Freddy's killing all these kids is he's making it look like they're committing suicide. And from what we can assume, and I may be missing something and someone might be like, that's not true because this person said this, but whatever, is at the beginning, Patricia Arquette, when she's like fighting Freddy in the dream and she comes to, he had like had her have a razor blade in her hand and it looked like she had slit her wrist. So she's put into the hospital, essentially kind of like on a suicide watch thing. So my assumption is like it's similar for all these Elm Street kids is that their parents were like you know or at the very least like there's something with sleep deprivation Mm -hmm. so it it never feels like and because of the fact that once again they all get the sense of agency because of the fact that they are aware of what's going on to them they have dream powers it isn't just like look at the crazy people wouldn't it be so scary like that's not the point of this movie the scary thing is Freddy Krueger the scary thing is not like oh my god crazy mentally ill patients which I don't fuck with and I think another part is that, like, 
in a lot of movies where like there is a mental institution it's always like that really frustrating part of like them having to try to convince the people that like are in charge or the doctors and like them not being believed whereas in this film like nancy straight up believes all of them and even neil like gets on board pretty fucking quickly so like all of the people aside from like the one woman who i think fires them at one point like they're all like on their side helping them and so it feels more like a community than it does like patients and a doctor i think that is probably also why it works better but yeah, I mean, I uh, this movie like there's so we've already talked about it, but there's so many good kills. Um, mm-hmm. Is your favorite kill the worm? I mean, that's not really a kill because he doesn't. It's end not up a kill. Her. I mean, it's tough because I do love. I feel like I have a tie probably because I do love the primetime bitch one because shoving a girl's head into a TV and then her hanging there is just like such a great visual, and I do think it's one of his better quips because after a while the like bitch gets really old, but it's welcome to primetime bitch is like the best of the best I mean that's kind of like the OG because like yeah. I don't know that he really ever says he might, he might say bitch to Jesse's girlfriend in the second one but it doesn't stand out and he I'm sure he says bitch in the original too but he doesn't throw it's it's past three when it starts getting thrown around all the time well because it's used as like punctuation almost but I think other other than that my favorite is the um the death of of the I forget I forget who what his name is but the boy who gets turned into a puppet and oh yeah it's so good where he's sleeping and Freddy Krueger pulls like his veins out of his arms and like starts to move him around like a puppet and then walks him up to the the top of the like tower and then of course like Kincaid sees him or I think maybe Joey the deaf character sees him and is like trying desperately to get Kincaid's attention he's not deaf he's mute oh I'm sorry I think deaf there's a deaf character in a later series you're right he's he's just too traumatized to speak um but yeah and then he like you know he's dangling him off and then he cuts the strings and he falls to his death I think that one's really clever no 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 I think I mean yeah there's a lot to pick from and it makes it hard it's almost harder when there's so much to pick from because yeah primetime bitch is incredible like freddie coming out like that visual and i think there's like there might be NECA toys or something that like replicas of it of like freddie with his head he's got the antennas coming out the top of the tv oh, i love it and it's like back when they had like the bubble tvs and like the the like mechanical arms at the side and it's just her head fully shoved you know like stew at the end of scream through that tv and her body just hanging there it's an awesome visual and also yeah it's mostly a tendon death because i anything I mean, you could say in theory, like, all these deaths in these movies are bodily, but, like, the the act of, like, pulling out your, like, tendons and your veins and using them to drag you along. Oh, my God. I can't even think about it. It's too it much. It's, it's horrifying to me. But gotta bring up my bad bitch um bad and beautiful her scene is really fun I don't know if the, the, the death itself is the best but I want to mention it because like she's bad she's in her her goddamn mohawk her leather she's like let's dance and she's like has her little switchblades and she's fighting Freddie. and then she has him like at her little knife point like she's kind of like bested him and then awesome visual and I know that you can get replica toys I think you can get replica full on gloves I, of them too I got Christine a limited edition um, pop vinyl toy of Freddy Krueger with the, the needles for fingers and I was so oh my excited God, that's awesome. when I found it um, but yeah he has essentially where his blades would be and he only has blades usually on one hand but then all of a sudden he's got needles at the coming out of the like syringes filled with like some blue mm. liquid at the ends of all his fingers and he's like um let's get he says something like let's get high or something like that 
And of course, because she was, I think the reason that she possibly is in the hospital, it might be like a rehab of some kind, to be quite honest, and not a, a full on, I don't really know, they don't, I don't, they might say, I know my it doesn't matter. But she has a past history with drug abuse, and she's mm-hmm. been clean up until this point. Um, and of course, she sees these, and that's what really scares her. And then he like corners her over to this wall, and then you get this gross ass visual of these little like track marks. Um, and there's like five for each finger on each one of her arms, and they they show them, and it's this special effect of them like, and of course this is practical of them like opening and closing like little mouths, and it's yeah. nasty. And then he just like shoves the needles into her arms, and so the execute it's more so like the needles for fingers, and then the little like. Little mouths yeah. is I the best part because, like, oh, they're gross. Oh, I love um, them. The actual, like, then him sticking them in her and her dying isn't anything, you know, to write home about. But yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of good shit in this movie. It's, a really um, good one. it's it's my second favorite. I think it's your second favorite too. It is. I mean, I think also when you have um, a final girl, I think when you combine the final girls of you know, Heather Langenkamp and then fucking Patricia Arquette together. It's a powerhouse. How are you going to beat that? It's so good. So yeah, number two, not number two, I'm sorry. Number three is easily my number two. Yes. I, one thing I do want to say is something that I struggle with, and I think I was talking recently to Roberto about this, is uh, it's hit or miss with this stuff. I don't appreciate bringing back an iconic final girl just to kill her. And I think I I was talking about it recently because with Scream 5 coming out, you know, in the future like it's happening it's gonna come out and we know that nev campbell is gonna be in it and she's been in all the other ones she was the final girl in all of them up until four which then like she does then like become the final girl again but there's always that gut feeling where you're like are they gonna try to be edgy like what like what is the who i can't i I don't know if i can trust fully the people making it every time to be like is this the one that they're going to be like and now we're going to kill her especially because as always in Hollywood how can we franchise how can we reboot and we're lucky in the fact that I don't hate any of the Scream films Scream 4 is actually my second favorite fucking Scream film like there is a definitive Scream ranking and I'm sorry once again if you don't have this as your ranking you're wrong it's motherfucking 1432 correct literally it's correct if you know if me and Alex are saying no contest no There's, argument it's correct then it's it's gospel it's correct listen I'm not trying um, to be dramatic but if they kill Sidney Prescott in Scream 5 I am going to burn their house down oh absolutely like that's the thing it's just like and I think it goes past like oh well like you're like you know the people that can't let things change like no this isn't like people with Star Wars where like they can't accept that like oh then like a girl was the lead of the new series this is not that this is nothing to do with that. This is the fact that it's like, I get that not, you know, final girls, maybe they live one movie, they don't live the next. I mean, talk about, you know, Friday the 13th too. You open up and you immediately kill the final girl from the last one. Fine. That's fine. But one, I think it's one, the fact that I talked about Nancy in the first one, as being this final girl with so much more agency than, past, mm-hmm. than a lot of past final girls have had. So you already feel a connection to her and it feels cheap to kill her at that point. And I feel similarly about Sydney. But especially with Sydney, when you keep her around for that many movies, and then it's like, oh, and now on the fifth one we're going to kill. It's like at that point, like, don't bring her back. Don't bring her back. If you're trying to do some shit where you're like, well, we're starting a new, uh, a new, like, it's within the same timeline, but it's with new people, then that's fine. Don't bring her back. And you can just say, she passed of natural causes, or she moved out of the fucking country. Like, I don't give a shit. I don't need you to, like, like, to me as a fan, 
I don't have a problem also going to a movie and being devastated. Sometimes I like it. Sometimes I like when movies devastate me. I'm like, me thank God you made me feel something. I don't, I'm not going to enjoy going to the movie and being, de- I'm not going to be devastated. As you said, I'm going to be mad. If I go to Scream 5, I'll be honest, and they kill her. And you know what? If for some reason they do that and I feel differently, then I'll come back on here and I'll fucking eat my words. But like, that's how I feel. And I feel almost similar about Nightmare 3 because it's like, they, they, it feels like they brought her back to kill her. Like, I was going to say, I know I said earlier, I don't really find many faults with this film, but I I think I purposely forgot that they kill Nancy off. Um, that is definitely the biggest, my biggest issue with this movie. I would much rather they just let her, like, go on living her life. Yeah, and it's like, and, you know, I think about stuff like, you know, Final Destination 2, when they bring back, um, oh God, Roberto's going to kill me. I can't remember her name. Um, Allie Larder? Allie Larder, but I can't remember. I knew her, her character's name, and I can't remember oh. off the top of my head. But yeah, they bring her back, and then, if I'm remembering correctly, they kill her as well, don't they? I haven't seen two in a long time, but I think you're correct. Yeah, where it's like, as always, if it's like one of those things where it's like, if the final girl did the work and got out, you know, then let her live. I don't feel that way about the Friday the 13th one that I was referencing because of the fact that she comes across in a lot of ways as the final girl I was talking about where it's like, she has no agency. She just, like, happens to be the last one that gets knocked off. And you could debate it's because she's not having sex with anybody. But, like, she doesn't even know until last fucking minutes of the movie that something is even going wrong. And, yeah, she bests, you know, Mrs. Voorhees, who is what? Like, a fucking 50-year-old woman? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'm sure that she's not, you know, working with the brute strength of, as if this girl, you know, went hand-to-hand with full-grown Jason Voorhees. Um... But I digress. But yeah, I mean, it's not enough the Nancy death for me to be like, I hate this movie or I'm really fucking pissed. It's kind of more so I'm like, I'm disappointed. But like I'm saying, it's because like they brought her back once and they did it then. If they bring, the thing with Sydney is in Scream, you don't bring this bitch back for four movies and she prevails against all odds every fucking time. You bring her back for the fifth one and kill her. I will, especially when this is the first one being made without Wes. I can't Don't get into it. fucking do it. I know. Yeah, we'll go on a huge tangent about that. We gotta move on. Um, Alright, moving on to number four. I guess I will do the background or the description briefly. So, um, Nightmare on Elm Street 4, the Dream Master. They all start being like, dream this, dream that. Um, the Dream Master follows our three surviving Elm Street kids from the third film. Kincaid, who I fucking love. Who I believe is the very first... Um, black characters who survive um, I don't, I don't want to say a horror film in general but Depp for sure the first one to survive in the series I think he might have been the first black character in general in the series that I can think of like lead character yeah um, aside from like yeah because like hmm. the orderly in number three is also black but I think he does he die uh, oh my god uh, why can I not think of the actor's name um he does not die, but I, we need to mention that the orderly that we're talking about is that Lawrence Fishburne. Um, is Lawrence Fishburne? Yes, yes. iconic. Um, but Kincaid, I think, is like I because I, I remember t- hearing about it in the when, when I watched the Nightmare on Elm Street documentary when they, the actor who played Kincaid is interviewed. I think he says that he's the first um, black character to survive and then be in a sequel. So we have to love that. Um, so Kincaid comes back. Joey comes back, who is the um, boy who doesn't speak, although now he does speak. He's gotten over his trauma, and he speaks again. Yeah, in Nightmare 3, his dream power is using his voice. 
Yes. So I think after he defeated Freddy using that, he, like, got the strength to actually speak again. Yeah. So those two come back, and then Kristen comes back. However, unfortunately, she has been recast. Patricia Arquette is not in this film. I I have heard different things. I've heard budgeting, like, she wanted more money, but I also heard that she was just pregnant. So I'm, you know, I don't really know what the real reason was. Mm -hmm. But... Regardless, they recast her as uh, Tuesday night. Um, who, no offense, she's just not Kristen. You're not. You're just not. I'm sorry about it. Um, she doesn't do a. Imagine bad job. having a name like Tuesday night. Like I know her last I name know. is night. Like night. Like with in shining armor. But like I know Tuesday night's an awesome fucking name. That's a great stage name. If it's not her like real name, I don't know. But it's yeah. a great name. Um, so it's the three of them, and they come back, and you kind of are put into this false assumption that Kristen is going to be the final girl again. Where they're all back in high school and, you know, things seem, you know, better. Although Kristen then has a dream about Freddie and she pulls the boys into her dream again. And they're like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, let this die. And she can't seem to let it go. And Freddie starts to come back. And one by one, he kills off the three Elm Street kids, RIP. And we transition into um, Kristen's boyfriend, who is played... By a, a man that Anya deeply loves, um, that I'm sure she will tell everyone about. Um, his sister, Alice, who becomes the the final girl of this film. And then her two friends, I believe their names are Deb and I cannot remember the, the other girl's name because I just watched a video about it, so I remember Deb. Um, it's Deb and it is Sheila, I believe. Sheila. I really love Sheila. Um, and so it follows essentially the four of them and uh, when Kristen dies she the whole point the whole premise is that Freddie has now killed off all the Elm Street kids so he can't get to anybody else so he has to use Alice not Alice I'm sorry he has to use Kristen and her you know her dream powers to bring in somebody else into her dream so that he can go on killing so un, you know against her will she accidentally brings Alice into her dream and then Alice becomes the dream master she takes Kristen's power and Alice starts to dream of Freddy Krueger and slowly one by one brings in all of her friends into her dreams who then get killed by Freddy and she takes on all of their like powers as they die like she takes on her brother's fucking karate skills when he's killed she like Mm -hmm. it's 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 kind of stupid but I also dig it and then there's um, a love interest named Dan who's like the really hunky football player that she has a massive crush on and um this is also i mean in the third film they introduce the backstory which we're going to get really deep into of amanda krueger being a nun who was accidentally locked in a room with a thousand maniacs um who raped her and got her pregnant with freddy krueger so they like they brought it up briefly in the third one and then they kind of play into that more in this one where she's kind of like okay we need to find amanda krueger's remains and like you know, we need to, I, you know, it gets, it gets really convoluted as the series go on, but it's essentially them trying to stop Freddy per usual. And, um, yeah, it's, I didn't like it the first time I saw it. Um, I have a much higher appreciation for it now. Um, but that's the main premise of Dream Master. Um, I'm sure you have a lot to say specifically oh, yeah. about, well, about a man. About Rick. Um, Rick plays um, uh, Kristen's boyfriend before she dies, and he is Alice's brother. Um, 
He's played by an actor, uh, Andres Jones. Mm-hmm. And funny enough, here's a little fun fact for you guys that we can throw in there because we're nearing the end of season one. Um, when we started this podcast, you know, acting like we're really, you know, we're deep in now. We gave you guys some secrets. <laughs> when we first recorded this podcast, the first movie we were going to do is Sorority Babes in the Slime Ball Bolarama. We will do it in the future. Yes. But we recorded it, and you know, if you think anything you listened to at the beginning was a hot mess, you have no fucking idea. We recorded. We did that episode not know and- what we were doing. <laughs> no, and we were like, okay, great, we did that, and then we like a few days went by, and we like contacted each other. We're like, okay, I don't want to know if I want to be the one to say it, but like, I feel like it's not good, and we should do something yeah. else. And like, we were like, oh my god, thank God you said that. Um, so that will never see the light of day. But Andros Jones is also in that movie as well. So love that I'm gonna get to talk about him again at some point. Um. But he plays Rick, and I love him in this because he is, like, he's cute. Um, but he is, like, the goofy brother. Like, he's always just, like, hopping around and, like, you know, their dad is, like, kind of, like, this angry, drunk kind of guy. And he, like, never mm-hmm. takes his dad shit. He always sticks up for Alice, his sister. He's always, like, you know, don't let people walk all over you. He's a very sweet boyfriend. He's a very good brother. Which is why, spoiler, when he dies in this movie, I have an ongoing list called devastating boyfriend deaths and it's all these movies where the boyfriend who was very much like a either a boy next door or whatever like is killed and like this shit is not new to horror movies or really you know movies in general people die and you can be sad about it but these are ones specifically that like devastated me and i don't know why but rick dying fucking sent me through a tizzy i was like no he's the funny cute boyfriend you can't do this um, oh it's always God. when they're funny. When they're funny, the death hurts ten times worse um, than when they're just cute. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I I really like this movie. Um, the whole thing with Alice and, like, accepting, like, taking power from people, it is goofy. But I also like the symbolism because at the beginning she's very meek. She lets mm-hmm. people walk all over her. You know, she's too afraid to go after, I think you said his name is Dan, like, the boy that mm-hmm. she likes. She has, like, little fantasies about him coming over to her. But, she, you know, she would never do it. And, of course, Rick is like, I'll talk to him for you. And she's like, Rick, like, don't do that. Um, her dad, like, is not very nice to her. No. Um, and her mirror in her bedroom in this very cute scene is covered in photos of like her family and her friends from the movie to the point where you can't even see a reflection in it and like Rick comes in and he's like doesn't this kind of like defeat the purpose of like the mirror like you can't really see yourself in it and then you know symbolically you know she can't see herself in the mirror but then she absorbs all these different aspects of her different friends as she as they pass um and every time she absorbs one of their aspects, she takes the picture of them off the mirror. Mm. So by the end, it's like, one, her, like, getting the strength to finally accept herself and be brave enough to look herself in the face. But also, strangely, she still is looking at pictures of her friends because she has become an amalgamation of what her friends are. So even though it's maybe me reaching, but, like, that was I I mean, I think to a degree that's what they're trying to do. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I... I my thing is like if I like a movie, I will fucking reach so far to be no, like I don't think that's a reach. so deep. No. Um but yeah, and I love that scene because then like Rick is like trying to tell her to stick up for herself and he's gonna teach her karate and he's like, you know, do this, hiya. Um <laughs> and he makes her kick and she like kicks her shoe off into the fish tank. And it's just like a very cute, like sibling moment. Um but once again, what, what I want to say about this movie specifically with four is 
yeah, maybe the characters, not all of them are as well developed, maybe as some of the past ones. And, you know, maybe the story itself isn't as great because, as you said, like, this is at the point when, you know, you're saying in three, these are the last of the Elm Street kids, and you've done what you're, you've killed them. Mm-hmm. You, it's kind of dumb. I mean, although the series isn't above being dumb to be like, wait, we forgot about these Elm Street kids. <laughs> so they literally have to come up with something where it's like, well, he had, which to be fair, it's not an awful idea of like, Okay, no, I think well, it was like, a smart transition. Yeah. Um, but this movie, what this movie has, you know, above all the other ones in my opinion, is it was so dedicated to having the absolute nastiest fucking visuals of any of the films in the series. And for that alone, I have to respect it. Like, literally we have, he's got, I believe these are all in this movie. At one point he shows his chest and it's got souls. So it's literally got people's like faces coming out of his chest, which they like built a whole like real life because all this shit was practical. They built this and I, it's like pretty big because they had to like yeah. do close-ups on it. And I think it's in a museum somewhere. I have to look it up, but like it's on display Ooh. somewhere. I'm going to go see it. They have a scene with the soul pizza, which is a pizza that is covered in meatballs. When <laughs> Upon closer inspection, the meatballs are like the faces of the kids he's killed. And he like yes. sticks his glove through one and eats it. And it's all gooey and gross. Just, oh, soul food. I'm going to say right now, get out of the way, this is my favorite death. It is traumatizing in which he turns this girl that's like into bodybuilding and she's like a very like petite thing. You know, she looks like an aerobics fitness model, but like she's into lifting, good for her. He this whole scene is awesome, it's but incredible. It's, it's disturbing. He comes in and she her whole thing is like her two traits in the movie. She loves to work out and she hates bugs. I can relate to at least one of those. Same. So in the movie he, she's like you know falls asleep I guess well because she's been like sleep deprived she's on this bench and as she's benching Freddy Krueger shows up and so in the dream she's still benching and he like pushes the weight down on her arms so like they crack at the elbow like split in two already disturbing like they break in half out from there all of a sudden she, she's got giant like human sized bug arms that start growing out of her own arms so then she's running around with these huge ass like cockroach arms and she's like running around in this weird hallway and then she trips she gets in this room and she trips and she's on this like sticky like jelly glue thing and as she falls on it you know she can't get up she's stuck her face gets stuck on it face fucking first it just rips off her skin off to reveal that underneath she has become a giant fucking cockroach. And what she's actually in is a roach motel because through the little window, here's Freddy Krueger's huge eye looking at her. And then he says something like, you know, roach motel, you check in, you don't check out. And then he like squeezes it and like fucking yellow pus type shit comes out. It is so first in general like the visuals astounding so gross so cool whatever but specifically as someone i hate bugs there's nothing i don't think in this world i fear more like i will shut i can't do and i hate i like i hate spiders i hate fucking house centipedes there is nothing that will literally send me like i will have to be locked away than like seeing a cockroach cockroaches don't deserve rights they do nothing for the planet (laughs) they they don't like, I hate centipedes, and I'll kill a centipede, but I know that centipedes will eat other bugs in your house. They actually are, like, in theory helpful. I still fucking hate them. Same with spiders. Still fucking hate them. Cockers don't do shit. Cockers are nasty and dirty and hell. Um, but, you know, I think that the cockroach death is probably, I would say, my favorite death in the whole series. I love it. 
I think, in every I would say element. maybe the same, yeah. It's just so, I think just the elbows, when she just, like, breaks her arms, is so, so effective. And then they take it even further. I love it. Um, something else I really love about this film is they really utilize the dream logic really well because at the same time as the cockroach death is happening, Alice and Dan leave the diner that she works in, which, wink, wink, is called the Crave Inn. <laughs> oh, my God, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, Crave Inn, baby. Um, we love a little reference. <laughs> um, and so they're running and they get in his car to try to go save her. And once they get to her house, Alice runs to the house and then it immediately cuts to her running back the diner again and they're back at the diner. And it just loops like four times of them just like doing the same thing because they're in a dream and they're stuck in this loop. And it takes them about four times to be like, oh my God, he's keeping us running in circles so that he is like, he's distracting us basically. And I think it was so good because the first time it happened, I was like, I don't understand what's going on. Like what's going on? And then when it clicked of like, oh my God, they're stuck in a fucking dream loop. I just think it it has one of the best uses of a dream sequence for me. I think it's very, very, very well done. Um, And, you know, overall, yeah, I'm I'm not a huge fan of the karate stuff. I'm sorry. I'm not a huge fan of Rick. Um, Listen, I don't care about the karate. It's Rick himself that I care about. His death scene is really lame because Freddy Krueger's not even in it because he's fighting an invisible Freddy Krueger. It's bad. I think it was because they had, like, finished shooting and they had to, like, do reshoots. And then there's his, like, funeral scene. He, like, he opens the the casket and goes, hey, baby. He goes, hello, baby. I love it. I love it. I hate it. Whatever. Um... But I mean, I will say we both agree that our favorite death is the cockroach death. But I will also mention a, you know, a very, very close second is her other friend, Sheila, who is the, you know, nerdy girl. And they are about to take a test. And I just think it's really convenient how quickly people fall asleep because Alice just falls asleep right before she takes a test and she pulls Sheila into her dream. And her whole character trait is that she has asthma. And so in this dream, Freddie comes up to her and I forget exactly what he says to her do you remember the line he says suck face or something ah yes let's suck face and then he gives her a big smooch but he instead of kissing her sucks all of the air out of her and she becomes this like deflated balloon um and she her body it's just such a good practical like prop of her body with like all of its life sucked out of her and obviously in reality she's just like having an asthma attack and dies but the visual of her her, like essentially her like everything in her just like leaving her body and becoming this like fucking prune of a a human is very very fun you know what she looks like remember those like ads like the don't smoke don't do drugs ads where like there's the one where she's like on the couch and she's fully deflated she looks just like that yeah i i use that a lot to describe how I feel after like a long day at work. Mm, I love that image. Yeah. It's a great image. That was not what their intent was. <laughs> but for me, uh, Dream Master uh, falls, let's see, it's my number three. Damn, number three. Yeah. Above, above two. Okay, interesting. Um, yeah. Dream Master is four for me. Okay. I just like really took to it the second time I watched it. And I think. Because mm-hmm. of the cockroach death, because of the asthma death, I think Dan's a cutie. Um, oh, for and sure. So, I I really like the, I that dream sequence where they're just looping really really gets me. So yeah, four is a it's a good one. It is. It's really good. And I yeah, the dream sequence. The first time I saw it, 
I literally like thought that my, I don't remember if I was watching a DVD or I was watching a TV, but I thought it was glitching. Like, I was like, Jesus, God damn it. Like, and like when it was doing it three times, I was like, God damn. And then finally when one of them gets in the car, he's like, wait, something's weird. I was like, oh my God, it's part of the movie. Uh, Genius. Um, Moving on to uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child. Here's where I think I probably speak for both Alex and I. When the series starts to fall off for us. Um, Mm -hmm. I personally, and Alex, you can say you disagree or agree, I really, really love the first four. Yes. I think, yeah, there's a lot to love in them. You get to five, and there are moments here and there in these other ones, but for the most part, it's just like a steady decline. So, Dream Child, brief description, this is what I was talking about, where like, they always kind of pick up within the same timeline, because this one, we're still with Alice, um, her and Dan are completely together now, like... I think it opens with them, like, in bed together having a sexy, sexy moment. Um, But essentially what happens is, you know, Freddy is back. It's like this whole thing. I think this is the one. I'm trying to remember how he comes back. Isn't this the one where, like, a dog pisses on his bones? Or is that No, that one, no, that's four. (laughs) He comes back in this one. Um, through the dreams of her, her unborn child. You're right, you're right, you're right. Uh, yeah, so she finds out through a series of events that um, she's pregnant with Dan's baby, um, and she doesn't dream anymore or anything she talks about. Like, she's in control of her dreams now because she has all these powers, so Freddie can't come back and get her. But the unborn baby, who's just dreaming willy-nilly all the fucking time, Freddie can latch onto that. And because, as people may know, like, babies, you know, they don't sleep, they sleep whatever the fuck they want. They sleep a lot of the time. So she can be wide awake during the day and she, but because Freddie's using her baby's dreams and, you know, similarly to how she had powers to suck people in to her dreams, the baby has the same powers. So the baby will suck in people like Dan, her boyfriend and the baby's father into dreams and then thus Freddie can kill them. Um... This movie, unfortunately, ends up being really forgettable because a main part of this movie is they focus very heavily on Freddy's backstory. To this point, it's like, I don't, the only backstory I really ever needed was the one in the original of like, these parents killed him, great. Then in the third one, you give us like, he's the son of a thousand, you know, maniacs or the bastard son of a thousand maniacs. Great, right? Like, we get it, fine. Sure, that's an extra layer of like, oh, wow, he really is pure evil. Fine. That's all I need. I don't need to see it. I don't need to talk about it exclusively. That's all this film is about. Alice is having dreams in which she is literally seeing, um, like, the scene play out of, like, this nurse or this nun getting locked in this vault of a room with, um, all these inmates, which, once again, doesn't even fully follow what we're told by Amanda Kruger's ghost in the third one. Because in the third one, she says that, like, it happened in that hospital the kids were in in a whole different ward that was closed Mm. off so it was a whole ward like with rooms and shit and this one they literally are like in a fucking boiler room dungeon yeah like i'm like okay um like i don't i don't need to see it um we also get robert england out of makeup as one of the maniacs which i thought was fun we do we do um well i love any time that robert england like i think there was you might have to remind me which one it is i think it might be four um in which robert england before he's it's like in a dream but he's like it's robert england like in drag as a nurse as a nurse yeah that's the fourth one um it's it's so fun um but yeah the fifth one like to be honest like you have to struggle to remember what the fuck even goes on in it because just so much of it is like you know the basic like killing people off blah 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 um 
I'm sorry. I just want to say Alice just gets like replacement friends who are like almost identical to the friends that she had in the one before. Yeah. Because she says like the pretty white girl with like the big hair, and then she has like the black friend, and then she has the like dude with bad blonde tips, who I guess would be like her brother. It's just the same thing. It's just like the same algorithm. It's it's bad. Yeah. Well, because in this one, yeah, it's like. The guy with the blonde tips is into, like, comic books. Mm-hmm. So, like, because it, it, at the end we see that, like, I guess she carried on with high school and this is all her friends she made through her remainder of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're at graduation and they've graduated and blah, blah, blah. There's not much else to say about the movie. Like, I even struggle <laughs> to remember most of the deaths. Like, I there's know that her... three deaths. Is there really? I know the three. Com- there's the comic book one. Yep. There's the Dan one. What the, is the third one? Third one is... um. Her friend who eats herself to death. Oh, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Um, That's it. So, yeah, I mean, it's the the watchable moments of this movie, unfortunately, are just the brief death scenes because at least you're getting, you know, something that you came here mm-hmm. for. Like, Freddy quips, cool visuals, maybe. Mm-hmm. Other than that, it's just like, and you have, oh my god, what is this kid's name? Oh Hold my on. god, I hate that kid. Wait, I, I have to talk about it. The real nightmare in this film is fucking seeing okay because there's a whole part of the movie where alice is getting she's getting these visions of this little boy who is so creepy looking and he's trying to warn her and you know her friend is like a high school student and on the swim team but she's also a nurse i guess and so she's like there's no children in the ward like you didn't see a a child and she slowly realizes every time she sees him like this is my unborn child and when i fucking tell you that the biggest nightmare in this film would be knowing that that was going to be my fucking kid no oh my god alex he's so creepy and weird and i hate him i hate um, him um there is a child that we are going to talk about oh yeah movie that we have a good shit to say about but yeah he's the, you know what i know him from is from what? jurassic park yes. at the beginning when he's like asking questions about like the raptor talons and being like a little shithead but yeah um he like comes and goes his name is jacob in the movie and the actor's name is uh um, his name is Wit Hertford. Um, but yeah, no. Um, yeah. Sorry, Wit, you're uh, a fucking creepy kid. Well, the an awesome moment I will say is like near the end of the movie, like I'm fucking shit has hit the wall. They're like in a dream, like lava pit. La- There's like, if I remember correctly, no. Yes, I am. In this one, they like fully rip off. I don't know if this came before or after Labyrinth. I'd have to look at a timestamp. Mm. They like literally rip off like David Bowie's Labyrinth. Like if you remember in Labyrinth, the whole scene with the baby when she like finally comes to like face to face with the Goblin King, and there's like mm-hmm. all those staircases, and they're like yes. going up and down and sideways. Well, it's also based on like a, a famous painting that like they just copy. Right. Um. But I think it's the visual of like having this bad guy. Um with your your baby or your child and like you're trying to get to them blah, blah blah like literally it's the same thing um but there's a scene in which amanda kruger's like ghost once again but younger this time re- calls out to jacob and she's like do it now jacob like your mother needs help so he turns around and like he's like a mini freddy krueger and he's like hey krueger <laughs> i don't play with her anymore <laughs> and he's like it's so stupid and silly that I was like even though this kid is like weird and creepy like I do love that moment um even though it can be overdone a lot of times I do love a real good creepy child moment they they make me slap my knee I like them um but yeah I mean the only thing I have to say about this I don't I don't really care about any of the deaths even I think of the three the one that I like the most is Dan's he's on a motorcycle 
and like essentially like through well he's like I think he starts in his car and then he ends up on a motorcycle it's a whole fucking thing um but once he's on the motorcycle like Freddy's face comes out of the motorcycle but it's like made of like gears and wires and he like puts the like wiring like into Dan's like arms and like Dan starts to become this like machine like his skin is ripped off and he's like this huge like Max it is very Mad Max that's what I was thinking um Mm -hmm. But, like, he's terrified. So, like, that visual is kind of, like, badass and awesome. But even then, like, I'm just, like, I don't know. It was weird because it was, like, he made Dan look scary, but not in the way where it's, like, you know, maybe, like, Deb from the last movie looked scary all flattened because it's, like, oh, my God, that's, like, so scary. Like, scary as if, like, is he turning Dan into a monster that's going to attack people? Like, that kind of scary, which was weird. Like, he made Dan almost intimidating. Um... But yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say about Dream Child. I honestly, when I rewatched, I think I thought I liked it more than I did. And I rewatched it and I was like, yeah, nothing, kind of very forgettable. It's not the worst of the series, but it debatably is the most forgettable. Yeah, because it's, it is so much, it just relies so heavily on backstory, which I don't give a shit about. I, and I think yeah. the characters are all very much stock characters and they don't really have much depth to them. But I will say that all three death sequences are pretty good. I do really like Dan's. The you know, the one where the guy's really into, like, graphic novels and he becomes, like, a two-dimensional piece of paper that gets cut up is pretty cool. My personal favorite yeah. is the scene where she's at the dinner table with, like, her her mom and her mom's snooty friends and he just, like, feeds her insides to her and her mouth gets, like, her cheeks get really big, like, um, I don't think, I don't know if you've ever seen Eraserhead, but, um, in Eraserhead there's a lady in the radiator and she's these, like, huge cheeks, as what she remind, reminds me of. Um, well, it's like um the dude, I don't think you've seen this one, uh, from Big Trouble in Little China. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't seen it, but. So, we both have reference points. Yeah. And then, um, like, Alice, like, opens her fridge and she, like, sees, I don't know how, she, like, has a vision and she sees her friend, like, coming out of the fridge, like, all disgusting. And then Freddie grabs her and, like, slams the fridge shut, which I think is fun. Um, but there is a mm-hmm. really fun practical effect near the end when, um, they're defeating him and all of the souls in Freddy's body start coming out and like their limbs start coming out of his limbs and like kind of stretching in his chest and there is a moment which I don't know if you know it's uncredited uh Linnea Quigley is one of the the souls in his chest and of course she has her boobies out Linnea out here doing the work all the time she's getting those paychecks good for her what a fucking legend um Linnea Quigley was also in Sorority Babes and the Slime Bobble Arama which we brought up her earlier. Yes. Where does this fall for you? Um, Dream Child um, falls six out of nine movies for me. I've had a really hard time with my with my rating system, and I think I'm going to alter it in this moment and say it is also sixth for me. Okay. So moving on to the next one, which, oh, goddamn, is Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. Alex, why don't you take it away? Tell us what the fuck goes on here. <sighs> okay. Um, so, Freddy's Dead. Well, I will say that Freddy's Dead is technically the final film in the series. Um, it was supposed to be, at least, um, before the final, final one, um, that comes after it, which, Mm -hmm. you know, brings back an icon, a couple icons, actually many icons, um, but Freddy's Dead, it, I don't know how many years have passed, but it is now, we're in a Springwood Ohio that has no more teenagers in it because Freddy has killed them all and there's only one boy left who has survived he has amnesia he doesn't know who he is and he's desperately trying to leave Springwood and figure out like who he is 
he stumbles upon kind of um, a similar... What I, I was watching a video about the synopsis just to like remind myself, and the guy who did it pointed out that this movie is basically just a ripoff of all of the other films because they just like yes. repeat so many things. And so he meets a group of people at a mental institution. Um, he meets a woman whose name I can't remember. I want to say it was Maggie, but I can't really confirm that. Confirm I don't remember or deny. what it is. Um, but she's a doctor. And then like three other people i think there's a a boy who is deaf there is a girl who is like really tough and misunderstood and who we learn later has like has been sexually abused by her father and so has a lot of trauma with that um oh yes and then a young brecken meyer who is just like a stoner obsessed with video games which we will get into um and this one is also in 3D, uh, it does not get into 3D until the last like 20 minutes of the film, where the oh my god, <laughs> where the female lead um, literally puts on 3D glasses and then it transforms into a 3D film. Um, but basically, it follows. They're just trying to figure out who he is, and so they go back to Springwood, and the three like troubled teens sneak into the van with them and they all end up there there's a really weird cameo from roseanne and her then husband tom arnold which is really weird uh-huh. um and everyone's yeah. just like freaking out because there's like kids back in the city um and throughout the film there is just this like again further backstory of freddy krueger had a child um, Dumb. and we're trying to figure out like who the child is and we're assuming it's the guy who doesn't have any memory but plot twist it's not him it's the female doctor and she is his daughter and it's up to her to defeat him and like put an end to everything it's really pointless there's no reason for it i hate to say that it's the worst film especially because it's the only one directed by a woman which you know just hurts Mm. me um but i don't i don't particularly think there's much that i can say positively about this film it's not very interesting. The characters are all really bad actors. Um, yeah, I mean, do you re- even remember much about it? I mean, yeah, I rewatched it for this. Um, well, I will say, um, I did get a chance to read a draft. Not obviously when it was happening, many years later. But, like, I read a draft of this script that was not what the movie was. And mm. what, I, what I can recall from it is it wasn't a great script at all. But when I tell you anything compared to what we got, it was so much better. Because in the draft, like, so this movie is where, as I said, like, for from, if we take two, as they did, out of the equation, oh, two doesn't exist. One, three, four, five, all same universe, all same timeline. They connect each other with characters, even if it's just one that leads into the next one. And I like that. I appreciate that. This was going to do the same thing. Which, in theory, it should, because if it's the final one of the series, as they're saying, tie it all up. And in the draft that I read, um, it did that because it brought back some dream warriors, but they only exist in the dream world now. Mm. Um, Alice's son, I believe, was the lead, or at least was in it, from what I'm recalling. I'm gonna be honest, I'm glad they didn't go with that route. Well, no, not him little. Like, him, he's grown up now, he's a teenager. So it would have been a different actor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you don't worry. <laughs> um, but, like, you know, so that, like, continues on that storyline. Because clearly he has dream powers, too, because we mm-hmm. saw that when he was in the womb. Like, all this shit. No, they fucking scrapped that shit. Nobody that was from previous films, other than motherfucking Freddy Krueger, 
And the I the fucking idea to for him to have a fucking kid is so stupid. Is so stupid <sighs> yeah. because it's just you are reaching to have something interesting going on in your film. The idea that, like, sure, there's stuff in prior films that we don't find out about until they're ready to invent it for the next film, sure. But you want to convince me that this motherfucking child murderer, we had no motherfucking clue that he had a kid until movie six? Shut up. You're, it's so annoying. It's, this one is full force on top of having a stupid idea. Y'all are dumb. No attempt to be scary. Actively, actively no attempt to be scary. It is literally comedic bits the entire time. From the opening, we got Freddy on a broom like the Wicked Witch outside the window. We have fucking, um, when, what's his name you're talking about? The stoner. He's in a video game. And, like, Freddy's playing the video game to kill him. There's it's one, so um, bad. the kid. This is the one with the kid that, um, has a hearing aid. But he has a hearing aid. And then, like, he goes in a dream. Like, Freddy does this thing where he gives him his, he takes his hearing aid, gives it back to him. He puts it in. It turns into this, like, crab creature thing that, like, claws to his ear. And then it's just a whole, like, running gag of Freddy being up top on the scaffolding thing. And he's down below. And the hearing aid makes everything, like, 20,000 times louder than it is. So Freddy's like, ooh, ooh. And, like, drops, like, paper clips or something that hit the ground. And, like, it's excruciating for the kid. And, like, Freddy's just, it's, like, so dumb. It's so dumb. But then we get weird shit, too, where it's, like, I just don't ever need it. I don't need it. Especially when you are doing a movie that's so fucking stupid and goofy already annoying but then like the one girl that's part of the gang like we have a whole sequence of her where her dad essentially we find out like you know sexually abused her as a child and like she's reliving that and it's just mm-hmm. like so ugh, it's dumb but of all movies this is my i think it's atrocious i think it's awful literally the lowest rating i can give a movie i'm giving this movie i fucking hate this movie and i remember i was telling you alex that whatever movie i was watching i was like oh my god like I th- it might have been fucking Dream Child, where I was like, this sucks. And I was like, oh my god, now I'm wondering, like, what if Freddy's Dead isn't the worst one? And you were like, I promise you it, it is still. <laughs> no, it is. And I watched it, and I was like, oh, yeah, it's the yeah, worst no, one. it is. Of course, though, this is the one that Johnny Depp comes back for, for a yeah. cameo. He's, like, <laughs> on TV, and he's doing one of those, like, this is your brain, and it's, like, a fried egg when it's on drugs. Mm-hmm. And then... And even that they play goofy because then Freddy comes up and like hits him with a frying pan. He's like, and then we also get an uh, of all the movies we could have this in a cameo from Alice Cooper himself. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like of all movies playing Freddy Krueger's father, who's like a drunk, like abusive dad, which then plays into like when Freddy's trying to like obviously lying sympathizes his daughter so she won't kill him he's like oh like you know see how i was like raised and like i was like said to be my it's so they put her ass she gets in a dream sequence and she's like dressed as a little girl again oh it's and, like, so little girl bad clothes and pigtails yeah. it's just like i i don't really have much more to say about this movie because i think it's god awful and this is what i was saying earlier for if you you can dislike too because I said you know if it strays from formula whatever you can think it's not great and not for you if you think two is the worst film in the series check yourself in somewhere like I'm not even kidding I don't want to have I don't want to talk to you because you're beyond reason you're an irrational fiend and I cannot associate 
Like, this, this doesn't even need to be your least favorite, but you have to recognize that two is not worse than this. No, this one's really bad. I think it also has, like, one of the worst death scenes, which is Breckenmeyer, because... First of all, I have such, like, a problem with people representing weed as, like, this, like, horrible drug because he's smoking a joint on the couch and then all of a sudden he has, like, has all these psychedelic, like, trippy things happening and that's not what weed does. He's not on fucking acid. He's not on molly. He didn't fucking eat mushrooms. He just smoked a joint. Like, that's not gonna happen. But then he, like, gets transported into the video game. The graphics are so bad. And then when, like, his body and, like, reality, like, what, like, his sleeping body is, like, pinging up and down on like the ceiling and it's making the like horrible video game noise like bing bing boom, boom. it's so fucking bad it is oh my god it's horrible and also there's like la- there's a lot of lack of logic here because a lot of times when like one of them dies in their sleep their bodies just disappear from reality and that's not how like it works in this like reality um it's really bad i will say the only thing that i do like about this film I know that you kind of shit on it a little bit. I would say my favorite death is the deaf character's death. Not so much because I... I uh, that's like... my favorite death, too. Of yeah. all well, of them, it's like, my favorite death. The, the pin dropping is, like, one thing. Because, like, they do, like, a gag where, like, he drops one pin and the kid, like, catches it and is, like... <gasps> and then Freddy drops, like, 20 pins. And then, you know, he does, like, the fucking chalkboard thing. But what I really like about it is before all of that, he takes this, like, really big Q-tip... And he sticks mm. it in one ear and sticks it all the way through his brain and out the other side. And, like, Q-tip stuff, I don't know why. I guess that's a very specific thing, but I don't like it. I don't like the thought of something going deep into my ear. So I thought that was effective. Um, but literally everything else about this film is trash. Um, none of the characters are likable. I really hated when she got put in fucking pigtails. It was, like, this weird kink of, like, her and this, like, it looked like she was like gonna go to like a bachelor party and strip like i hated it the 3d is unnecessary his fucking head i think comes flying at the screen at one point it's just bad it's so so bad and and i think they like implied that he had like a wife well there's a whole thing in this movie too where they talk about like the dream people give freddy his power and i was like shut the fuck up the dream like they're like weird little worms and they're like what gave him the ability to become a supernatural creature and then when he gets defeated at the end like and he explodes the fucking worms are like floating in the air and i'm like oh my god why you know what they look like like they look like the old lady from the chocolate episode of spongebob the chocolate (laughs) if she was sperm if she was sperm that's what i can i consider freddy's dead in the same vein as i consider um I forget which one it is. Halloween, the, I want to say it's The Curse of Michael Myers, the one where they're like, the one with Paul Rudd, where they're like, oh, well, actually, oh, he, yeah. it's like the devil, and it's like, he, it's this enigma that has been like put inside his body, and then the next film, they just like pretend that didn't happen, and they're like, never mind, let's forget about that. It's the same shit, where I'm like, I don't need you to come up with this like cockamamie backstory of like how he is supernatural. I don't need that. Stop it. I'm tired. Shh. It's, a, it's, it's all, all these movies do it's just like your first one was successful and you didn't have to tell me any of this any of this so why do you think fucking six movies deep you got to start making explanations now shut up and save it like i don't tell me why the fucking tagline for this movie is they saved the best for last diluted <laughs> fucking diluted it is the worst it i, I don't want to talk about this movie anymore my favorite is also the the hearing aid death um and that's just like because i have to pick one like i fucking every part of this movie is suffering 
I, I, I fucking seen this movie like three times now and I honestly hope that I never have to watch it again. I never want to watch it again. It is god awful. It is such a waste of time. Um, if you don't watch it and watch everything else in the series, you're missing nothing. You're missing nothing. Um, so let's just move on because I fucking think this film's atrocious. Um, then we get one that goes back to being kind of good again. Kind of fun. Yes. Um, we get uh, 1994 New Nightmare directed once again by Wes Craven. Yes. Um, so, the most basic, like, short description I can give is this takes place in our real world, in theory. In our real world where the nightmare films exist, and we talked about this in Behind the Mask episode, um, in which both Freddy exists and Robert Englund exists. Um, so essentially the premise is we got Heather Langenkamp back playing Heather Langenkamp, um, and she's been receiving, like, obscene phone calls from, like, a crazy fan, kind of saying Freddy creepy shit, and it's been bothering her. Her husband, which in real life, he's, like, a special effects artist or whatever, and that's kind of who they, like, make her husband in the movie. Um, he's, like, someone that works on films and makes special effects. So, essentially, she's been having weird dreams again, right? And But she's, like, you know, that, you know, Nancy, sure, in the movies has Freddy Krueger dreams. This is real life. Freddy Krueger is my friend Robert Englund, like, my bud. Um, but she's just feeling really off. And, of course, they all accredit it to these cre- these creepy phone calls from a crazed fan she's getting. But she just senses it's something more. And she has a motherfucking son in this movie played by the motherfucking legendary Miko Hughes, who... Oh my god, he's god tier. He's god tier child actor. He gives us new nightmare. He gives us pet cemetery. He gives us motherfucking kindergarten cop. Boys have a penis, girls have a vagina. Like this kid is serving at all times. I believe in Amico Hughes supremacy, baby. I love this kid. I have a goddamn mm-hmm. pet cemetery poster signed by Miko Hughes in my room. I, I live. I love him. Anywho, but he's, he, I mean, he's good in everything he does. He's great in this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but so essentially, um, the whole premise is like New Line Cinema and Wes Craven, he's started having, ni- Wes is having nightmares again. So he's writing a new nightmare film and they want Heather to come back and be in it and blah, blah, blah. So it's almost like low key. They're showing you the making of like what led to them making this new nightmare movie as the night new nightmare movie. Um, it's very meta. Um, but they find out that there's a word for it, but essentially like, um, they find out that there's this specific kind of demon, which they've done shit with this on like Supernatural and other things where it's like, it gets its power by like people believing in it. So it doesn't Mm -hmm. actually exist really, but like people like invent it. So we invent Freddy Krueger and then that becomes real. And it gives it real life power. So we realize that in this real world that's supposed to be our world uh, of New Nightmare, there is a Freddy Krueger that exists. In, it's still played by Robert Englund, but it looks like really darker and scarier because yeah. Robert Englund also exists in this universe. Um, so then the movie follows um, Nancy kind of figuring this out and like Not trying Nancy. to save her. Excuse me, you're right, Heather because she's playing Heather. Heather trying to figure this out as she's like trying to protect her son from it because he's having nightmares. He has this stuffed T-Rex in the movie that oh funny God. enough, she- Seamus had the same exact stuffed T-Rex growing oh. up. So when I saw it, I was like, oh, what the fuck? Um, but he like puts him down at the bottom of his bed to protect him from Freddy. Um, and it's just like an incredibly meta horror film, which as we know, Wes does like no other. Um, and yes. that's the premise of the movie. I know a lot of, there's some people that don't like this movie. They think it's kind of like, what the fuck? Like, you're trying to do too much. It's a movie within a movie. Because, like, 
you the whole movie is literally like all the actors you recognize from the nightmare films like we talked about um john saxon comes back as john saxon Mm -hmm. um but i think it's fun i think it's a fun idea that like i mean tell me another fucking series that you saw doing this where it's like we're just gonna make one movie within the series or the franchise that takes place in the real world and we're bringing the monster from these movies like it's just it's it's fun I know that you like this movie too, Alex. I do, yeah. I mean, I think this came out two years before Scream, so this is really like him dipping his toes into the meta world and kind of solidifying himself as the meta king once Scream comes out. Um, I know I said in the Leslie Byrne episode that I do not like when characters coexist within the same universe. I don't like Robert England being in Behind the Mask, but this works for me because he is playing Robert England and Robert England recognizes the fact that these films have existed, so therefore it is fine. Mm. Um... I yeah. think, I mean, obviously, I love that Wes Craven came back. I love that they bring back all of the big actors. I also really like that they use all of the actual, like, executives. Like, the female who calls Heather to come in for a meeting is actually a producer on all of the films. Um, she has an, she has a, a meeting with Bob Shea, who is the producer of all the films and who has a cameo in pretty much every movie. Um, and, Lynn, like, who is also Lynn Shea's brother, which, you know, people love to be like, oh, Lynn Shea's Bob Shea's brother. Bob Shea is Lynn Shea's brother, okay? I think I said that wrong, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like, Lynn Shea yeah. is the star. Um, so, like, I love that. I think that's really fun. Um, but I also really love that they brought back the, like, scary Freddy Krueger. Because Wes Craven yeah. created Freddy Krueger to be a frightening creature. And, I mean, I know you love a petty bitch. And Freddy Krueger, he named him that because of a high school bully named Fred Krueger that love. he had in his life. Which we love. But, like... Wes Craven created this, like, scary, frightening man. And then as the series went on, they kind of made him more comedic and less scary. And so Wes Craven came back and was like, okay, fine, we can have that version of Freddy with Robert England because he does that so well. But I'm also going to incorporate the frightening horror back into it and create a new Freddy that is purely just terrifying and, like, bigger and has different kinds of makeup. And he wears, like, a fucking fedora and has a trench coat, like, He's, he kind of reminds me of, like, if Freddy Krueger and Jeepers Creepers had a baby. Oh, um, you're so right. Yeah. I mean, I, I really I really like it. Miko Hughes is fucking adorable. I'm obsessed with him. Truly, like... Yeah. The way that I felt about Jacob in Dream Child is the exact opposite of how I feel about Miko Hughes. Like, they are polar opposites to me. I think he's so fucking cute. I love Rex and his cute little uh, teddy. Um, I really like... I guess I'll just say my favorite death um, is the death of his babysitter who gets that callback death of Tina being dragged up on the ceiling in the wall. But they do it in a way that makes it fresh because not only do we see her being dragged up the wall and on the ceiling, but then we get to cut in between and see the new Freddy Krueger pulling her and dragging her along, which is so scary. Um, I just think it works really, really well, I think. It's fresh compared to the fucking two that came before it that were just, like, getting so stale and overdone. It was, like, a new idea. It was original. I mean, Wes Craven was one of the most original creative directors. I fucking... He's, like, my favorite director. I'm obsessed with him. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it was a much-needed, like, kick to the series, in my opinion, because you don't want to end on Freddy's Dead. I'd much rather end on New Nightmare. A thousand percent. It's it's, it's, its own... It, it stands alone, as like a solid individual film but it also works really well as a like an addition to the series 
No, I agree. And I think it's good that, like, they even address kind of, like, what Freddy Krueger had become up to this point. Like, very much like a pop culture icon. Mm -hmm. I think originally, and I'm going to bring this up for another reason as well. I think you brought it up earlier, but um, the definitive like nightmare on elm street documentary you know never sleep again in which they go through every nightmare movie they bring back you know directors producers actors writers everyone for these movies and to talk about the creation of all of them i've seen it twice through i plan to watch it a third time um great i love this documentary it is also i think it's on shutter but it's definitely available somewhere it's not it would be my my shutter pick if it was but it's not damn i'm going to find it somewhere um but i think they were saying that like originally Actually, you know what? No. I'm thinking of something else. I'll bring that up in the next movie. Anywho. Um, but I like that they address, because they literally have, like, Robert dressed as Freddy coming out on a talk show, and he's got all his mm-hmm. fans in the audience, like, I love you, Freddy. And they have kind of Robert, like, playing up this little bit of, like, um, you know, the attention whore character, which oh, yeah. I, Robert Englund, like, as far as I know, he's a good person. Um, he's really fun. Um, mm-hmm. He does kind of give off that air of like, oh, yeah, like he knows he's that <laughs> bitch. Um, but I, I kind of love that. But they kind of play to that in in the the lore of the movie as well because it's all these fans that like love Freddy so much and want more Freddy and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, that give the Freddy, the real life Freddy Krueger demon his power. Mm, um, yeah. But something that I noticed the second time I watched the um, Never Sleep Again documentary. And I remember, I might have told you about it. Actually, it might have been before I met you. It might have been like a year before I met you. Um, and I like freaked out about it. I was so excited. And like absolutely no one gave a shit, rightfully so. But um, they show, and it's they also I think it's the same office that they possibly show within the movie. You have told me this. Yes. So I know, I don't know exactly if it's the one that's in the movie, but I do know it's the one that they showed in the documentary. I'm watching this documentary, and at one point they're talking about, like, how new, essentially, like, um, Friday, excuse me, not Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, like, put New Line Cinema on the map in many ways. Um, it was, like, their huge, big movie. Um, mm-hmm. And at one point they're talking just about New Line Cinema, Bob Shea, whatever. And they show an outside of this building in L.A. talking about, like, this is, you know, where New Line Cinema is or was. I should say was now because I don't believe they're there. They're not there anymore. Um, but I remember I see this building and I'm like, oh my God, that building looks so familiar. And at this point I had lived in LA like the year prior for four months for school. Um, and I was like, oh my God, why does that building look so fucking familiar? Having like a moment. Then they cut and they show inside the building. And I literally was like gassed because – the internship I had when I first came to LA, the first entertainment industry internship I ever had, was for um, the production company Voltage Pictures. As far as I'm aware, they're still located there. That was in this building, which is why I recognized the outside of it, because it's where I would get dropped off by my fucking Uber any day that I went in to intern. And it would appear that the office that New Line Cinema was originally in was the office that Voltage Pictures... Like, I'm talking, like, I was like, I have seen this. I've walked through that door. I sat at that fucking desk every day for this internship. And I just, like, literally had such a little geek-out moment that I was like, (gasps) I was in the office where Nightmare came together. I literally, like freaked out and then when I was watching again new nightmare for this there's a scene when Heather comes into the office to talk to Bob Mm -hmm. Shea about doing the movie and she's walking by these like glass offices and I was like oh my god that's where I would walk like that's That's so cool 
I love it. Right? So thank you for appreciating because I definitely, like, when it happened, I, like, went on my Snapchat and, like, posted this story. I was like, oh, my God, you guys. And, like, obviously nobody gave a single shit. Well, it's really cool when shit like that happens. I mean, mine is not as interesting, but I lived in a flat in England that is referenced in the very first page of the famous novel Mrs. Dalloway where they talk about oh, I lived at one Bedford Square and that's where I lived. And I was like, that's literally my fucking plan. It's so cool. I mean, nobody else cares, but like, I think it's dope. Where does it fall for you? So New Nightmare for me comes in at five. Okay, it comes in at four for me. And I've heard that it's Robert England's favorite of the series. Oh, I don't, well, it's because Robert England gets to whore it up. Like, he gets to do both. Yeah, he gets to be Robert England, he gets to be pop culture Freddy, and he gets to be scary new Freddy. Yeah, amazing. Of course it's his favorite. Now we've moved past any movie that has any redeemable quality. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but not really. The, the last two, in my opinion, suck dick. Um, so let's move on to Freddy vs. Jason. Alex, do you want to truly try to sum this up? Yeah, these. I think these two will be quick ones because I, they're bad and I don't care to talk to them about them. Um, Freddy vs. Jason is the movie that has been long awaited by fans because I think after Jason goes to hell, there was a, a moment at the end where Freddy's glove comes out of the ground and everyone was like, oh my god, the crossover that we all want is finally going to happen. And I think it took like 10 more years for it to actually come to fruition. There were like many, many versions of the screenplay that got bounced around before they finally made it. Um, But essentially it follows a bunch of people who suck. All the characters suck. Um, It stars a, uh, I think her name is, I think the main character's name is Lori. She lives in the old Elm Street house. She's best friends with Kelly Rowland. I don't know why they cast Kelly Rowland, but whatever. We love it. Um, And she has like a bunch of shitty friends, shitty boyfriend. Um, And Freddy is, uh, Freddy cannot come back to life because nobody remembers him. Nobody believes in him. Nobody knows who he is. So therefore he can't live if nobody knows who he is. So he finds Jason, I think in hell, and he Mm -hmm. pretends to be his mother and tells him that he needs to go back and he needs to remind people who Freddy is. And so Freddy comes back through Jason, like, killing people and them thinking that, like, Freddy has returned so that his, like, whatever. But then it gets to a point where, like, well, now Freddy and Jason are both back, but every time Freddy tries to kill someone, Jason kills them, and Freddy's getting butthurt because he's taken all his kills, and so they start fighting each other. Mm -hmm. And this group of shitty teens are, like, stuck in the middle of it. And we also have um uh jason ritter who's john ritter's son um and his friends who come from like a yet again a mental institute who like are released and they come literally none of none of the characters matter in my opinion it's mostly just your fan service to get freddie and jason fighting each other um that's pretty much the premise um i have two main issues with this film well, I have three main issues with this film and that's really all i have to say about it are my three issues which is one um the final third act fight sequence is so fucking long that yeah within like three minutes i'm like i don't care anymore i really like i just need this to end and i think that it could have been done so well and i feel like you could have had so many fun like pr- like stunts and effects because especially because like i'm assuming kane hotter played jason I kane hotter did not play jason okay. in this well that's probably why it fucking sucks because kane hotter didn't play jason the third act is just, like, really, really overdone. There's, like, a million fucking fake endings I don't care about. Um, my second issue is the sequence with Freddie and Kelly Rowland right before she dies. Because he has a line that is a play on a line I think he had in the fourth one, which was, 
um, how sweet fresh meat. And instead, he says to Kelly Rowland, how sweet dark meat. And I think that is so fucking offensive. And then on the flip side, she says to him, um, what kind of F word wears a Christmas sweater? And I'm like, don't use that word. It's not fucking cute. I know this is like 2010 or something, 2007. I don't know. And the vernacular back then, they care. Like, they, they use that. They think it's funny. But, like, that whole back and forth, I'm like, who is more offensive? I can't fucking decide. I hate it. But my biggest issue with this movie is that they decide to, to – it's just like – it's like they never watched a fucking night, uh, Friday the 13th film before because – there's a scene where they're trying to figure out what's going on and the main girl goes i just like i saw a clip of it like three times in a row before we recorded this so it's like burned into my brain where she's like sitting and she's so pensive and she goes freddie died by fire jason by water how can we use that to our advantage and then they come up with this whole fucking like backstory that jason is afraid of water and that that's how they're gonna kill him and i was like i know we're not doing a fucking friday the 13th minisode right now but Jason is not afraid of the water. Jason is in the water in every single film. He doesn't give a shit about water. And they they create this whole fucking thing that like, oh, well, Jason's afraid of water. So like, that's how we're going to get him. Because when I saw this movie for the first time, I hadn't really seen any of the Friday the 13th. And so I always went into them thinking that Jason had this phobia of water. And he doesn't. It's just bullshit. I hate it. It's just poor writing. It's lack of continuity. It's just, ugh. Ugh, so many problems with this movie. Talk about offensive shit. Literally, you have Kelly Rowland at, at one point, and obviously I'm not blaming Kelly Rowland for this because she didn't write this fucking movie, but, like, where she compares, she's like, oh, like, after one of the people dies, she's like, oh, they're, like, tr- acting like it's some Columbine shit or whatever. Oh, my God. This movie came out in 2003. Columbine happened in 1999. And they're just throwing <sighs> this in this trashy like yeah. fucking slasher movie as like a one like talk about beyond offensive like mm-hmm. jesus christ like so, i can't but yeah the, the fucking water shit is so dumb then you get the fucking shot of like when like jason's i guess in a dream fighting freddy and he turns back into a little boy but he's still That's wearing the so hockey mask bad. it's just like so dumb i mean the yeah. only things i can say in favor of this film is that Catherine isabel is in it and i love her yeah she's great i agree um the only fucking good moment truly of this movie is the cornfield when jason is on fire and he's walking through the cornfield but one cornfield fire cannot save a shit fest like this it's offensive it doesn't make fucking sense it's stupid when you're talking about there's so many scripts of this truly so many there's a book called slash of the titans the road to freddy vs jason i wanted to buy it for a long time which is literally a book that chronicles like all the different scripts and the ideas that they went through um and the thing that i was going to bring up from what I'm remembering, because it's been a hot minute since I saw the documentary, um, and then there was one version that, like, had to do with, like, Fred heads, so, like, the real-life fans of Freddy Krueger, mm-hmm. and, like, they were going to bring him back or something. I don't remember entirely what it was, but I just have to imagine that some one of these ideas, or just an amalgamation of them, would have been so much better than what we got. And at the end of the day, it's, like, one of those things where you go into it where you're like, the plot sucks ass, the characters suck ass, but then again, is anybody really going to see Freddy vs. Jason like it's a WWE Smackdown? Are they really going for the characters in the plot? No, that, they're not. That's exactly what it feels like. A wrestling show. Yeah. So, like, part of me has to be like, okay, like, I'm, maybe I'm asking for too much from this. But even like you were saying, like, they just do – it's one of those things where it's like, 
it's not that I don't want them to, it's like, I don't really know what the balance would be. And it might be one of those things where it's like, in theory, we, we all say that we want it, but maybe it's one of those things that just never would have come together well enough. And it's better as an idea than it is like actually executing it as a movie. Maybe it would be better in a video game, you know, you know, putting them together. And I'm sure there are video games that do that. Like maybe it would be better as like a short film, like to do like a full, whatever the fuck, how long this is, like 90 minutes, I don't give a fuck, 97 minute runtime, like it just doesn't work because it's just these two like beating each other over the head mm-hmm. and I'm like I don't give a fuck and then of course you get the end when people will debate who won because they both end up dead in the water at the end but then the last moments is you see like like Jason coming out of the water he survived obviously because he's not fucking afraid of the water so the idea that this movie only this movie is like Oh, no, suddenly he's timid around the water. Shut the fuck up. He literally rose up from the water. Like, you're so dumb. Um, Yeah, I just, like, there's so much that can be said. But, yeah, he rises up, and he's holding Freddy's severed head. So there's, like, all the Jason fans are like, oh, Jason won. But then Freddy winks at the camera. So then it's like, oh, but did Freddy win? And you know what? I don't give a fuck. At this point, the movie was so awful that, like, even if I had from the beginning been like, I think this is who would win, or is who I want to win, I don't care because the movie is bad and it's not even and maybe some people disagree and that's fine I don't even find it fun bad like I was hoping that like at the very least I would think it was like so bad that it's funny or fun and it's not one thing I also noticed is Freddy Krueger like looks different multiple times this movie they open up and he's got these like bright blue contacts with like these like bright red veins on his eyes and his teeth are these like gnarled like all of them are like razor sharp fangs and I was like, okay. And then they cut to later in the movie, and he just looks like normal Robert Englund, Freddy Krueger. And then there's another point when he had the fangs again, and I was like, what is That's the so look? Weird. What's the fucking look that we're going for? Like, pick one and stick with it. I mean, of course, Ronnie Yu directed this, who also directed Bride of Chucky, which Bride of Chucky, we, as we've talked about, I like we Bride love. of Chucky. I yeah, fuck, I love Bride of Chucky. I fucks with Bride of Chucky. There's definitely similar, like, you know, vibes. You can tell, like, yeah. it's a Ronnie Yu film. But, like... Oh, yeah. and there's like weird awful. slow motion editing throughout it that like doesn't make any sense you get the cop showing up at one point like he just suddenly knows where all the kids are hanging out yeah. like he's just like that pissed me off because it's just, like such atrocious writing like he just like wanders into their hangout yeah. you know just knows that they're there and he's like i came to help you guys i know i suddenly know all this background on jason Voorhees and all and it's like who is this yeah. literally what the fuck is going on so dumb i don't even want to talk about this movie anymore um it's do you have a favorite kill i literally don't even remember half of the fucking kills in this movie i would say i'm literally struggling to remember i hate this movie so much i'll say the two fucking dudes that die within the cornfield fire just because it's part of the cornfield fire like they literally think jason is this big dumb hick in the cornfield and they're making fun of him he fully rotates one of their heads and kills them then the other dude's running through the cornfield comes out makes it to back to the party that's happening out at the edge of the cornfield thinks he's safe and then like I don't even remember what happens. Like, Jason throws, throws a machete a, through him or something? He throws a machete that's on fire. Because Jason, at the point that point, is already also on fire. Yeah, I mean, and yeah. this I only like those deaths for the fact that we get the Jason hulking on fire. It's fucked yeah. up that they didn't bring Kane Hodder back for this. Yeah, I mean, which up. also just serves to prove why it sucks dick. Um, it's played by Ken Kez, Kez... Oh my god, I can't speak. Kurzenger? I don't know if I'm saying that right. Which, I don't know if he ever played jason before this but it's like it's just disrespectful well the thing is like freddie obviously no one else is gonna play freddie it's been robert Englund this whole time kane hot like there were a few people that played 
Jason, but Kane Hodder played Jason the most and was actively, especially in 2003, recognized as like, this is our Jason. Yeah. So for you guys to just randomly pick somebody else just seems random. And from what I recall, like he was hurt by not being asked. So it wasn't like, yeah. as far as I know, they asked and he said no. Well, because it's like for horror fans, pitting Jason versus Freddy is almost equivalent to pitting Robert England versus Kane Hodder because they're such icons. So it's disrespectful to him, honestly, in my opinion, to have him not be cast as Jason because he, in my opinion, is the Jason. But yeah, it's a bad movie. I mean, the only other kill that I can even think of is um, there's like a fucking ripoff um, Jay character from like who's like a stoner with like long blonde hair and freddy like uh possesses him and he uses him to like inject jason with like a sleeping medicine and then jason takes a machete and just cuts him in half which i thought was fun but that's about it where does it fall for you this falls at number eight just above freddy's dead um only because i don't even know like literally because like i agree i I don't mean i'm not gonna explain it that's just where it's falling that is where Um, it falls for me as well Okay, let's get to our last one so we can wrap this fucking shit up. <sighs> Is 2010 a Nightmare on Elm Street remake? All right. So, I don't really need to do a plot synopsis a lot of this because it's a direct remake of the original. Mm-hmm. So, the the idea is the same um you know the kids of elm street he was a child murderer the parents killed them he's coming back in their dreams um the distinct differences in this is one first time ever that freddy krueger is not played by robert england and i'm going to get to that in a second um it's also it feels act it feels actively 2010 in the fact that it's very dark and edgy feeling and in line with that this is the movie in which originally in the first nightmare on elm street movie they say he's a child murderer now, you can interpret that to be... At the end of that means he killed kids. You can interpret whatever you want. There had been... As far as I can remember, and I just watched all these films, there is no point in any of these films when they actively say that he sexually assaulted children, he yep. was a child rapist. I mean, being a child murderer is bad enough. Um, but I know that, like, for years, like, that has been, like, kind of some people's assumptions, and whatever. You can project onto it what you want to. This movie takes that and fucking runs with it and blatantly, like, in your face tells you that, no, he, not he like, sexually assaulted these kids, kind of tortured them and murdered them. And I'm just like, I, why? Like, it, it just feels like an attempt to make it really dark and edgy. And I'm like, I can appreciate, the thing I appreciate with this film, if I had to pick something, is that, as we were talking about, you know, take New Nightmare out of the equation. Everything prior to this, if you're talking Freddy vs. Jason, if you're talking Freddy's Dead, if you're talking, you know, even, we'll say, Dream Child, Freddy had gotten really fucking goofy. And people, some people love that. They love him as a pop culture icon. Some people don't. And I think it's fair either way. This movie, try to go back to the roots and make him scary again. There is no funny, you know, funny LOL quips. If Freddy has any quips, they're, like, dark and disturbed and, like, Mm -hmm. unsettling. I appreciate the attempt to make Freddy scary again. This motherfucker looks like a tumor. Like, he just looks... Dis- he looks awful. The Freddy Krueger makeup is... Uh, uh, like, someone should go- do- serve time for this. Like, he looks disgusting. And it brings back the point where it's like, 
Why couldn't you have Robert Englund do it? I'm pretty sure that he didn't want to do it. Well, you know what? Maybe because he fucking read this shit and was like, no. I'm pretty sure that they asked him and he said no. It's like, okay, then you can give him a little wee-wee because at least they tried. But even still, it's just like... I get that he didn't want to do it and you guys can do anything about that. I don't want a Freddy movie no. without him. Unless it's like, because you think about something like, I was talking to Roberto about this. Think about something like, you know, It, right? The original miniseries, Tim Curry icon is Pennywise. So when the new It's were coming out, there was a lot at stake. Like, what if Bill Skarsgård isn't good? But the difference is, he delivered. They tried to do something new with the look. Like, yes, still clown. This is not even, they're not trying to do anything new. It just looks like shit. Like, that's the difference there. But even beyond that, I think a lot of people recognize that, like, it, the miniseries as a whole, maybe wasn't that great of an adaptation. It's like, it's not great. What makes it great is specifically the Tim Curry performance. Whereas the new it movies, even though there are flaws in those, those are solid movies. Those are solid adaptations. And they they are true to the book, like very accurate. Yes, and Bill Skarsgård delivers. Like, mm-hmm. whereas, so you're kind of like remaking something that, like, okay, there was something iconic about it, but like we could do it better. Right. You can't do a Nightmare on Elm yeah. Street better. So yeah. already you're setting yourself up for defeat, trying to remake it. And I get the Hollywood machine, the Hollywood mentality of like introducing it to a new generation, blah blah. blah. And my thing is like, honestly, if you're too fucking lazy to put on the 80s version and appreciate it for what it was you need it remade for you then you don't fucking deserve it you don't deserve the story of a nightmare on elm street like or honestly you deserve what you fucking got you deserve this fucking shit i brought it up earlier i don't care for rooney mara in this role it is not that rooney mara is giving a bad performance at all she's playing the character i'm sure as it was written but nancy as this like loner like you know she works at the diner she doesn't talk to anybody that's not our nancy like that's not my nancy at least like Mm -hmm. i don't but it goes into the very 2010s vibe of like oh Oh, she's like troubled blah blah well so it it feels very much like it's very much a trend at that point in time where like studios were kind of out of ideas and so they were just remaking everything and they were doing it in like a really dark and gritty way that just was very you know specific to the time and it was never very good i mean i do appreciate that they made him scary i do also appreciate that for the most part they stick to the basic plot of the original because i always have a big problem with like child's play like we talked about when they remake a classic film and then they just make it like a completely different film and i'm like that's not a remake then it's a new movie like, I at least appreciated that it was, for the most part, the same trajectory. Um, mm-hmm. But if you're going to do that, you need to do it better. And I think everything that they did, that the first film did, they made they did worse. Like, his makeup is really bad. And it's not Jackie Earl Haley's fault that he is not Freddy Krueger. He did the best he could. But, like, he's not Robert England. No matter who it was, you're never going to live up to Robert England. Um, and, like, the scene where... Um, I don't think her name is even Tina in this. I think they give her a new name. But uh, Katie Cassidy's character, um, when she does the... I don't know if you can hear my cat scratching desperately at the door right now. Kruger, with his claws, is trying to get in the bedroom. Uh, I apologize. He said, um, let me give my hot takes on Freddy Krueger. I'm Freddy Krueger. What do you mean? Um, um, like, her death scene where she's, like, lifted onto, like, the wall and the ceiling. It's done so well in the first film because they built a set that rotated... And it was, like, so impressive and it looks so good. And this one, they literally just throw her around the room. And I'm like, throwing her around does not make it scarier. It's just aggressive and, like, less creative. So, like, and I also think if you're going to make this film again, 
then you need to really like lean the fuck into the dream sequences and the fact that you can really do anything that you want with it. Can you hear that cat? No, I can't. Oh my God. It's insane. I'm so sorry. I, I'm just keep talking then. Um, I can't. Um, like you need to really make the dream sequences like extravagant and like really, really like scary and twisted. And they just don't like nothing that they do in this version is elevated in any way. It's just kind of like a more lackluster version of what Wes Craven did. Um, I also don't like that they made it a sexual element when like you could assume that or you can imply that from the original film or from the films in the original series if you want to, but it's never explicitly stated in this they like focus on that more than the fact that he was a child murderer they're like he abused all of these kids at this school i don't even know if he killed any kids because like all of the kids from the school that he abused like have grown up and then he like killed them in their dreams um it's just it's just i don't need it fucking connie Britton is wasted Kyle Gallner, I had a huge crush on at this time period. So, like, mm-hmm. I liked that he was in it. But, like, he's not Johnny Depp. He's not Glenn. Because he's it's also, just... like, this, like, mopey, almost, like, drug yeah. abuser. Like, yeah. look. And I'm just, like, but it, that, once again, it's so 20-fucking-10 to be, like, these are the leads. Having Kellen Lutz fresh off that fucking Twilight money in the opening scene. Oh, sequence. my God. Kellen Lutz be looking fine as fuck in this movie and i will say that scene is probably the only scene in the film i like which is the opening sequence when kellen lutz is like in the diner and he's falling asleep and then he like cuts his own throat with the the knife i thought that was a very good scene so i it it like gives you a false sense of like this is going to be a good version of this film but it's not no i think that's exactly when the first time i've seen this also too many fucking times to be quite honest with you um because i think every time i'm like maybe it'll be better and it's not um (laughs) Kellen Lutz, yeah, I think that's, I'll say, is my favorite death of this movie, um, for sure. Um, I think Katie Cassidy, I would have much preferred her to be our Nancy, our lead. I think she's she's serving in this performance. She can't help Mm -hmm. but the movie itself sucks. I just, like, believe her so much. Like, her screaming, like, everything. So good. I love that Clancy Brown is in this. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, the one thing that pissed me off, really bothered me, is on top of the whole, like, doing the sexual element to it, the sexual abuse element... But then there's a whole sequence when it's like they find out what their parents did and then they're like, oh my God, well, we think possibly Freddy Krueger was an innocent man. Oh, yeah. And you guys, you guys believed us when we were, and it was just like, it's not entirely the message you're trying to send, but it just like pissed me off where I was like, they're getting mad at their parents for like killing this man that was abusing their children, which honestly, go for. I'm supporting that fully. Um, then they're like, we were kids, we would have said anything. And I'm like, what is this bit that we're doing? Also, Freddie's been killing your friends. So whether he was innocent or not, he's murdering people now. And like, as you're saying, you were kids, you didn't know better. So like, he's still a bad, like, it's just so dumb. And then of course, then we get, um, Kyle Gallner getting the dream sequence of seeing Freddie get killed. And it's just like, they paint Fred. It's like, they're trying to make it too real world. And I'm like, I don't need that. That's what I'm coming mm-hmm. to the fucking nightmare movie for. Where they make him just like, oh, this kind of like timid, weird guy. Victim. Oh, no, don't burn. Yeah, victim. Even though, okay, yes, he still did that shit. But that's how they're painting him. Because unfortunately, like, these people do exist in real life. And sometimes they are like that. They are the like, oh, hey, kids, blah, blah, blah. Where it's like, our original Freddy Krueger, even from the motherfucking jump, was mm-hmm. like a creep. And like, oh, like, come here, kids. Like, luring them to kill them somewhere. Like, I don't, I don't want you to even, even if you know at the end of the day you're going to tell us, no, he's still a bad guy, you shouldn't like him. Like, 
I don't want any, I don't want you like having your characters for even a moment, having fake sympathy for him. Mm -hmm. Absolutely fucking not. And making him a blatant child molester. Not that I'm like rooting for child murderers, no. But it's one of those things where it's like, we don't really ever see anything of Freddy in the original movies, right? With these Mm -hmm. kids. They say he's a child murderer, that's all they say. And we see him kill teens. So that's why he could become a pop culture icon. And at certain points, you can root for Freddy. You can have fun with Freddy. This, stri- yes, I like that it went back to trying to be in dark, but it strips it of any enjoyment because they show you too much of the fucking kid shit while telling you that, oh, he sexually abused them. So now I'm like, this guy isn't even like, oh, that doesn't make it scary to me. That just makes me, like, uh, disgusted. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just like, go like I don't want to see I and yeah as you're saying it's not Jack Earl Haley's Haley's fault excuse me um but I like hated his voice as Freddy he's like doing this and I'm like (laughs) shut the fuck up um so yeah this movie I've tried multiple times so anybody telling me give another chance I've watched this at least three times at least like I don't like it it's not good the opening sequence gives it potential in the diner the second we get out of the fucking diner it's gone it's not good anymore. The second they fucking kill Katie Cassidy and she's not our Nancy, it's done. Mm-hmm. I don't care anymore. Um, you know, it, it is what it is. Where does this rank for you? This is number seven. It's number seven for me too. Why don't we go through each one more time from top to bottom of the list, say your order. Okay. So I can go first. So my order from favorite to least favorite is A Nightmare on Elm Street. A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. A Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master. New Nightmare. Nightmare on Elm Street... I can't speak. Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child. A Nightmare on Elm Street Remake. Freddy vs. Jason. And then, dead last, Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. Good. Mine is... Um... Best to Worst, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master, New Nightmare, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, um, I can't remember the fucking subtitle, Nightmare on Elm Street 5, Dream Child, the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street, Freddy vs. Jason, Freddy's Dead. Excellent. So it seems like most of it lined up um, for us. Um... So do you have some closing remarks, closing feelings as we wrap up this episode? Um, I mean, Wes Craven is an icon. The series as a whole, even though it has some, you know, questionable films, is a really great series to watch. Um, I think Freddy Krueger is one of my favorite slasher killers of all time. Uh, Obviously, I have named both of my cats after these men. Um, So, you know, as much as I don't like some of them, it's still a great series. Yeah, I mean, similarly off that, I know I said at the beginning, like, it's my favorite, and some of you might be questioning, I mean, taking out Scream from the equation, and I know that I, like, shit on a lot of them, but the thing is, like, at the end of the day, they're, other than the Scream series, I don't know that there's any big horror franchise where I like all of the movies, and maybe, you know what, I, it's been a while since I've gone through and, like, beginning to end watched all of the Friday the 13th, so, I don't know, maybe if I do that, I would feel the same, but I think it's one of those things where it's, like, this can, I think, overall has the most that I like. And even consecutively that I like. Um, like, I would say I like five of these. You know, First Four and New Nightmare, mm-hmm. which is a lot to like from a series. Because a lot of these can get, like, but, like, I think of Halloween. Like, a lot of the Halloween movies just, like, don't, I just don't even, it's not even that they're actively bad, but I just, like, don't care. Mm-hmm. I've seen them, but I just, like, don't care. 
Um, and like kind of similarly for all the other ones, I think there's a lot of Texas Chainsaw movies that are just a hot ass fucking mess. Um, so yeah, despite you know having some shit to say about a good handful of these, I think overall it still remains to date my favorite like you know heavy hitter horror franchise. Um, but yeah, I mean I think you know Wes is a genius. The world, you know. Will never be the same. Horror will never be the same with his absence. I we hope the best for Scream Five, even though it's not what we're talking about. But you know, first Scream without Wes, you know, hope they don't do him dirty and what he created dirty. Um, I think that Heather Langenkamp is an icon. I think that Robert Eglund is an icon. I think that fucking Miko Hughes is an icon. I could go through the number of fucking icons in this series. Um, it's a dream of mine to meet Mark Patton. It's a dream of mine to meet Heather Langenkamp. What I wouldn't give to have a fucking photo squished in a sandwich between the two of them. And that is A Nightmare on Elm Street ranked. So, um, once again, this was a tangential terror to our Behind the Mask episode. So if we didn't make it clear of why... Freddy is a goddamn icon and a heavy hitter. Watch Behind the Mask and you will realize when Leslie gives it to you about why these guys, you know, changed the game for slashing as he is trying to do. And you also just see Robert Englund serving in yet another role. Thank you as always, you guys, for joining us. I know this is in theory supposed to be a mini-sode, but you know what? We're tackling nine movies, so it is what it is. You know, as always, keep it creepy. Bye. Bye.